Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of I Am Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy, Johnny G, standing six foot two, 301 pounds. He hasn't weighed himself in a while due to some personal issues. Uh, from the south shore of Nassau County, Long Island, it's John Gabris. All you gotta do is trust me. Jackson, Maine, from A Star Is Born. Abortion is healthcare. Okay, at least that's an updated reference. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, Mario Sankos, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout out. Oh, Arthur is still in bed. I gotta walk him after this record. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, my my, my the Tej to my Roman the. Brazilian explosives expert to the other Brazilian explosives expert who have yet to be back in the films. It's Griffin Newman. Hello. Thank you so much. I was trying to do the count. This is our fifth high and mighty Fast and Furious episode. Our first H&M F&F. Our fifth. Our H&M fifth H&M, H&M, H&M F&F. F&F. And as you know, the fifth is holds a special place in my heart because that's when that's the thing. This is our fast five. This is maybe the episode where we elevate the whole thing. But but by my count, we started with we did one that was the whole franchise up until seven, mm-hmm. and then we went. We gotta do updates every time a new one comes out. So we did a franchise up to seven. Then we did Fate, Hobbs, then and, Hobbs Shaw, and Shaw, nine, F nine, and and now 10. we're doing Fast X. And, and we did Too Fast, Too Furious too fast on blank check. On my show. Yeah. Right. So this is our sixth time doing a Fast and Furious podcast together. Fifth on this feed. You have 10 episodes on newcomers? Yeah. And How many uh, did you end up doing? Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday, the Fast X episode. Uh, yesterday from when this aired, the Fast X episode wow. with me and Bayer came out. So check that out. Uh, not to mention our Every text thread, a new... which is about oh, absolutely. <laughs> almost exclusively Mostly. about Fast X <laughs> and rescheduling. That's all. Every time there's a new Fast and Furious movie, it's like you and I need to do like a press tour. <laughs> like we're like political analysts who are called in to explain election results. <laughs> In a low-level, like, network of comedy nerds. 
Yeah, especially if once, like, if you knew a little bit about elections, but after, like, the fifth time they invited you back, you were like, guys, I'm not positive I'm the dude to speak about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, my relationship with the I films are that- so broken that I, I'm not, I'm not yes. objective anymore in any way. And this right. is the first time I really right. felt it because fate I didn't love, uh, but I was still the in the grind. Yeah. And then that Fast Nine brought me back hard, and and Fast X I didn't love as right. much either. But I have no idea why anymore. I have like it's so personal now that it doesn't even fucking matter. Like yeah. I can't even articulate what people are like. This one sucked. I was like, well, there was a lot of great beautiful moments though and people are like what i'm like i know i'm fucking broken i can't help it (laughs) see i've had the opposite thing where i feel like i walked out of it and i was like this thing sucks and people were like it has some great beautiful moments And i'm like what are you talking about so i'm interested (laughs) to hear the things that you like because this one like this is the most out i have ever been i think we had very similar arcs of just like our our feelings on all the movies up to seven right yeah i think we both agreed that eight was like a little miscalibrated Hobbs and Shaw, even more so, but both of them have things I like. Yeah. I think they both start to fuck up the understanding of the franchise a little bit, but there was still stuff. And, and then I think Hobbs and Shaw, me, Hobbs and Shaw gets a little pass because it's like a little detour or whatever it's you can say. Like, yeah, yeah. Not and how, still, do, how, how do we feel movies. about nine? Nine, nine kind of brought me back a little bit. I was Same. like, it, yeah. And it was timing-wise, like, though, too, post-pandemic, sort of like... Totally. Like, first big blockbuster after the pandemic uh, to be but released. But it's also Lynn back. He came back in. He right. fucking recalibrated. I've seen a lot of Nine Slander as Fast X was coming out. A lot of people who were like, can we stop pretending that Nine was good? Right? Yeah. Like, as if it was just being graded on a pandemic curve. And I'm like, I stand by that fucking one. I rewatch it. It still works for me. And it, because it kind of like, I felt like, is the train about to go off the tracks? Lind, as the conductor, got it right back. And then obviously, famously, quits this movie, Fast X, one week into filming. And you and I were texting as that news broke. And we were both kind of like, is this like a death march now? Is there just any way this thing is saved? Yeah. It feels like him leaving the franchise. He was the last person who could sort of like keep it stable. Uh, agreed. Agre- like to keep your analogy going, like he stepped into the uh, uh, conductor's box, got the train back on the tracks, and then Vin Diesel, covered in soot, stepped out of the coal yeah. and just snapped the conductor's neck. It was like, yes. I'll drive it from here. <laughs> and it's like, yes. oh no, absolutely. <laughs> and then, but then also was like, per like union rules, I need to technically hire someone else to be the conductor. Yeah, here's Louis. But that Leteri- conductor's not gonna have <laughs> any freedom. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I did like, I, this one really, and I think from the moment Lynn stepped down, I was like, I think, I think the dream is kind of dead. I think the thing is kind of over. This had obviously been framed as they're going to wrap it up. They're going to do this finale. Is it a one part finale or a two part finale or a three part finale? That's the fucking question. But they're in like the wind down. They're going towards the conclusion. And And Lynn attached for two, he was attached for two. So you're like, yes. okay, take me home, guys. Like, let's right, and, right. 
<laughs> Lynn, this thing had gotten a little wieldy, unwieldy out of control. You did nine. In my opinion, you perfectly reset the table, right? The barbecue layout is now perfect again. <laughs> and it's like, and your job is simple. Just end it. Right. Just end it. You don't have to be caught up in trying to top what's come before, which has become kind of an impossible task with these movies. They've yeah, how do you so beat space? Like, how do you beat space in right, nine? Like that's like nowhere to go. And it's like, if if your job is to end it, it's a little cleaner to just be like, just bring it back down to earth, literally. Shrink it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Shrink it. And then once he's gone, it just feels like like this movie does not feel. I don't walk away from this going like, well, I can see where they're trying to go for a finale, right? I'm well, like, this movie's just a bunch of shit happening, and then a cliffhanger. It it feels so it, the cliffhanger moment like caused a true cackles in the theater I was in. Yes. Like people were like, yeah. oh my God, they're really and like we kind of knew that it would be a cliffhanger. I, I didn't think it would be like uh-huh. a, a mid action sequence cliffhanger, but <laughs> Absolutely not. And also most of the other cases of movies ending this abruptly on this much of a cliffhanger, they had already shot the other film that comes after it. Right? Yes. And that's the, that's the thing that bothers me. Cause this is supposed to be like the, uh, Lord of the Rings or the two mate, you know, where it's like, right. we, we shot most of it. Uh, you're going to get the next one in exactly 365 days or whatever. And right. no, cause <laughs> I, I, I think, look, I've pulled together certain gossip across the industry on the, on the Lynn thing. A lot of which I've keyed you into. I don't know how much of it I should talk about on Mike, but the original plan, I think was more to do these two shoots pretty close to back to back, right? Right. And and, and Lynn was going to write both of them, produce both of them, direct both of them. And then when Lynn steps down, I think they were like, let's just get this movie made and then we'll reconvene and figure out what the fucking next one is. Right, because they, they don't want to tie into just... two back to back with uh, Vin with his hand up Louis's ass. You know what I mean? Like, right. we can't, we, we, we're Absolutely. like, I don't want to lock us into two of those. Let's just do one. And, and yeah. this gets where, and then when you hear like, it might be a trilogy and there's going to be a spinoff, I'm like, no, get this away from Finn. He's he's going to, he's like 45 years old wearing a full high school uh, football uniform waiting on the field at homecoming. It's like, no, man, well, it's hey, a look, new person's game now. <laughs> let's be fair. First of all, he's closer to 60. Right, right. Second right. of all, it's like... <laughs> The whole point of quote unquote ending this, right? Like bringing an end to the fast saga is like this thing is Dominic Toretto for better or worse, right? Yeah. Like they did the experiment (laughs) of him leaving the franchise and it fell in terms of like the public interest, even though I think you and I obviously defend both of those movies. And then the second he returned, the interest like skyrocketed, right? <laughs> they make Hobbs and Shaw without him. It's like the second lowest grossing of any of these movies, right? <laughs> there is this thing, but it's like they're they're stuck in this abusive marriage where it's like you cannot deny that he is the lifeblood of this thing, but also he is the most difficult person to work with in making these movies. And so their whole thing is like Fast and Furious as a name is so valuable. Ten is probably enough. That we milk 10 out of the Dominic Toretto saga is like a wild success. Let's maybe gracefully like push him out. And then we figure out, I don't know, are there spinoffs that work? Do we apply the name to something else? Who knows? But like, let's just gracefully give Vin his grand finale 
and then we can sort of reset the table a little yeah. bit. And let him pop in and throw a fucking file folder on Han's desk in the Han Giselle spinoff right. or whatever. Like, like he could do all that, like, little Mr. Nobody pop-ins and shit. And, but Absolutely. let him, let him go. bring him back in five years and people will lose their minds. He won't let that let happen. Let go. No. That's the thing. So it was like, it's a two-part finale, which I think Universal was on board with, right? He which is already said, like, crazy when you have nine in the can and you're like, well, Correct. we're going to do 11, obviously. Not 10. Not the perfect number to end a film series on, but of course. we're going to do oh, two could, more It could now. not be <laughs> more appropriate for Fast and Furious and it's weird, like, history. But uh, I think he always in the press when people were like, you ever think you'd be here making five? And he was like, 10's the goal. You know, we're going to 10. Like, it was always 10 was the thing. So then he's like at nine and they're like, well, here we go, Vin, going into 10, final one. It felt like he went like, well, wait a second. What if 10 is two, right? <laughs> it's Jordan Belfort refusing to step down in Wolf right. of Wall Street. <laughs> right, right. I'm not going and anywhere. And we're not going so then, nowhere. <laughs> right. We're not going nowhere. They finally said like, fine, Vin, it's 10 part one and part two. And he was like, great. They don't succeed in making 10, one and two together. They only just announced who the screenwriters were on the next movie like two weeks ago. So Oof. it's like just starting to formulate, right? Oof. They announced that Leterrier is back, double wolf. But he they're like, we're going to give you your second 10 and then you're out, right? And then he does this fucking Rome premiere red carpet thing where he's like, Universal's now begging me for a third. And it feels like he's publicly renegotiating and then I don't know if you saw, he did an Instagram live recently where he's like, now Universal's begging me to do a spinoff called the Toretto's. And, and I'm it's like, like no one is begging you for that. <laughs> no, but that's also like Disney being like, we're, we're thinking about doing a spinoff of Star Wars called the Skywalkers. And I'm like, that's what the <laughs> movies fucking are. That's not a spinoff. You can't say family 21 times in a movie starring five different people with the last name Toretto and then go, the next right. show is going to be about the Toretto's. <laughs> it's like, we're okay, really we're going to really focus on, on cars next. It's like, okay, the family. <laughs> Right, right. If they said Han spinoff, we'd be like, that's a new thing. Right. You know? A Toretto spinoff. Like, this show is the Toretto. This movie is Toretto. What are you talking about? That's the main through line. The other thing, I don't know if you've heard this, but there are many rumors that this might have ended up being the most expensive movie ever made. I could believe that. And, yes. And I think a lot of it was just uh, absolute uh, uh, production dysfunction. But there has been a thing like the last couple of times they've tried. Well, they had to, to pay two directors on it. To be fair, like right. that's already like, a huge. <laughs> if you got to pay a guy I, to walk away, and then another, you got to pay another guy to actually direct it or to pretend to direct it, while you're paying a third yeah. guy an insane amount of money to be the lead, the executive producer, yes. and the sort of like phantom director. Like you're already correct. And then you have Academy Award winners playing characters named Mrs. Nobody. <laughs> like, like yeah. literally, you get you get a huge actor like Brie Larson to pop up. She gets five movies in the Marvel universe. She shows up to yes. Fast X. She's named Mrs. Nobody and is in the movie for four minutes. And she's probably this got franchise seven figures for that. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the first. Like, first thing is like I think cast alone, this movie now costs a hundred million dollars. Right. Like, Easily. Vin is getting an astronomical amount. They keep on adding new people, and most of the people they add are, like, big A-listers in their own right. And then the people like Ludacris and Tyrese and Michelle Rodriguez and everyone are just, like, at this point, 
they kind of get to name their own price. They got to be. They're never going to get paid. That got to be most favorite movie? nations too, right? This is why I was talking about this right. with someone. Are they MFN? Are they getting like, uh, are, are Roman Tej, uh, maybe Mia? You know, like sure. I wonder. I wonder how they break down the crew of like. Obviously, Diesel is getting an insane amount of money. Statham right. and The Rock probably have like superstar, like separate account, uh, like separate uh, kind of uh, rates. And then I feel like and they're also next... both basically just cameos in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And then like and like the Helen Mirren cameo rate. And then like uh, right. below that is probably like Tej Roman, like uh, Ramses maybe at this point. Like maybe right. not because she's not in as many I think, films. I think there's a I think there's a Tej Roman rate that is would probably be astoundingly high. Just for their like loyalty to the franchise, and especially as other characters have left, right? I think Tej, Rome, and Letty are right. maybe each getting like ten million dollars, right? which is crazy. Potentially, <laughs> right? Because they're just like we can't make these fucking without you, right? And then there's probably a tier of like Han Ramsey, you know, right? Uh, uh, and, and then there's like you know n- new people, uh, John Cena, Momoa, Brie Larson. Who it's like you're more than a cameo. You're coming in with enough heat from other stuff that we can't pay you as if you're like Jack Reacher, you right, know? Right. But then also, if you're like Alan Richson in this movie, what are you going to do? Work for scale? You're like it's Fast and Furious. This is my payday. Right. So right. even if his payday is not a million dollars, he's probably getting paid a ton of money to do. Probably this, making you know? solid fucking cash to be there. Yeah. Right. And Vin is getting like fifty million dollars probably for all his titles. You know? Yeah. So and you're like, it costs $100 million just to get to the table. And then they spend, a, I, I've heard a number that was astronomical for how much Lynn was going to be paid for both films, writer, director, and producer. And his contract was pay or play. Right. Because so. I think he was aware, I might be driven to quit this movie. I think he entered into it saying, I'm making my contract airtight, where if I quit a weekend, they have to pay me no matter what. So he's being paid for both films. I had heard the same thing that uh, he got. Uh, he was ner- like not nervous, but wary going into this. Where he was like, "I'm not yeah. getting. I'm not fucking doing six months in the fucking trenches versus Vin Diesel again." And they're like, right. "All right, well, look, we'll take care of your crazy ass contract. Don't worry, we want you." The uh, Universal's like, "We need you," and he's like, "All right, motherfuckers, but pay me, and I'll be there." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and ba- basically what I've heard, and look, we've we've done many of these episodes at this point, right? I think it is very clear on the record that uh, Vin Diesel is my my favorite uh, working movie star, right? I am obsessed with the guy. I'm fascinated with the guy. One of the uh, last movie lo- stars, truly, and like and like a a pure movie star. Like what he is doing in this movie is just like th- that's what I would point to and be like, this is like the the, the difference between a movie star and an actor. And Vin Diesel has given very good performances as an actor when he wants to, the times he's chosen to. It happens less and less these days. But he also just understands the alchemy of, like, holding a screen, right? Being the center of a story, being larger than life. Undeniably, even in this movie that I think is basically a trash fire, I'm like, he sells every single moment as being the most important thing that has ever happened in the history of cinema. Whether or not I'm buying it, he has 100% commitment and conviction to the silly bullshit that's happening and is playing it like this is Macbeth, right? Well, and, and I think that's what makes me like Fast X more than Fate is that, yes, all the shit that like kind of sucks about it is 
huge dumb swings from yeah Vin in maybe his weirdest look on camera. He he seems to be have like a filter on like 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 yeah. every one of his he shots seems like someone clicked the thing that was like put the Vin filter on that makes him like yes. grayish smooth young look and makes every, yep. like everything has like a weird tinny look to it that I can't explain but and it looks different when Vin is on camera <laughs> look it's obviously a thing that's in the the cultural discourse uh, right now in a major way but this really does feel like the first movie that is not only written by AI but looks like it was visually generated by and AI like acted Everything by AI in, this movie in looks multiple fake. sequences yeah. all of it all of it I, I'm just like have you done the Fast and Furious ride I have not no okay uh there was a point because we've done so many Fast and Furious movie episodes when you were doing newcomers with Nicole on the Fast and Furious series. You and I had a long back and forth of like, is there a good episode for me to do? Because it was like, <laughs> I shouldn't do one of the movies because that's sort of our thing. Is there a supplemental thing? And there we was were like, gonna like, do we the do the Netflix? <laughs> or we could go the, the Netflix ride, animated the uh, Netflix car series. series or whatever, the kids series. <laughs> that sucks and somehow has like 200 episodes, has run like longer than MASH because they post like four episodes a day. Or like, do you do like uh, Los Bandoleros, which is the one that Vin actually directed, the short that takes place bridging uh what is it the first it bridges movie four and five to ampersand oh it's, yes it's before four it is what vin was doing when he was away in too fast basically when oh, he right, drives right. away at the end of the original explains where he it, went and is yeah very good it's like a 30 40 minute short film that vin directed that is mostly a relationship drama that is not an action film and is really about the letty dom romance and is good i can tell fully good um how do you but think Vin's real life wife feels about Michelle Rodriguez? Because I feel like I think Vin is like, I think I'm Dom, dude. And I think I'm married to Michelle. Like, I have a feeling he's got to yeah. come home and like unwind from his showmance and like be like, OK, I have a family here. I have a I have an actual yeah, kid also, named for Paul. An Walker actual family. <laughs> I also sometimes question if uh, Vin's wife is AI generated. <laughs> I can imagine her being like, oh, look who's home. It's the family, man. Everyone's in my family if they're making $50 million, but you're not here <laughs> right, with right. your actual family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just because we're not on the poster doesn't mean we don't exist. <laughs> um, but wait, where where was I going with this? Uh, with the, uh, ride. the ride. The ride is, and look, this is an absurd franchise that has always used a, a good amount of CGI, even back to the first movie. But there was always this one sort of foot in, like, we try to put stuff in front of the camera, right? You use CGI to accentuate stuff or clean stuff up, or sometimes you use it for stylization. Too Fast has its crazy camera movements. But it's like, th these movies are supposed to look semi-tangible, so you <laughs> kind of find it easier to accept the absurd things that are happening on screen, both, like, effects-wise, uh, you know, set-piece-wise, and just dramatically, Right. And this is a movie that I think is top to bottom covered in so much CGI fire and also every single actor in it looks fake. Like I hate everyone. Vin is the most extreme, but everyone looks filtered. Preternaturally smooth. Everyone is preternaturally yes. smooth. Digital no fire. Pores. I am not a fan of. And the fucking Sucks. ball on fire sequence in Rome. And then also yes. the damn on fire stuff looked looked bad. It looked like like. The first time I started seeing a lot of digital fire was in like low budget Chinese action and stuff that I started watching like in yes. the in the 2010s and shit. And it's like, oh, they got by with it because it's fun. And it, 
This movie is too big not to have real fire in it. <laughs> it looks like the Fast and Furious ride. I mean, it's like, I was like, what does this look like? And I was like, oh, I have multiple times now ridden this thing that people hate <laughs> where it's all the characters I love and they got the actors to do it, but all of them look weirdly CGI'd. They're in an entirely CGI environment. It's a lot of CGI fire. And it was like, this is just two and a half hours of that ride that I enjoy and everyone else thinks it's the worst ride ever constructed. But I've never <laughs> been on the ride and gone like, I wish the movies looked more like this. And the ride similarly is just a bunch of shit happening. And like characters yelling like, look out! <laughs> and then like another big explosion happens and you cannot track the conflict. You cannot track the stakes. Well, that's kind of what happens in this movie, I feel like. I feel like... Yes. I, I feel like it's hard to tell... When someone's the sh the movies have always been like, oh, no one's ever in danger. But like you understood no. some moments of like, oh, this is dangerous. This movie kind of I eliminates any moment because no one even acts like what they're yeah. doing is dangerous. This movie doesn't feature Roman doing the kind of thing that I like the most in these movies. Uh, his quote unquote comic relief is when he's like. This plan involves us doing something crazy. Let me just explain right. it. Isn't that nuts? This is, wait, parachuting in car? Like, it needed some of that. And and the reason it doesn't have, because they're not really together in this movie either, which this I think is, is a think, huge strike against it. This is the immediate catastrophic decision this movie makes, right? Fate, which was previously least favorite of the mainline series. Yeah has that thing where it's like, it's got the big plot hook of Dom's gone bad. Why? Right? And the answer yeah. is, Charlie's Theron is holding a secret baby hostage, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> the behind-the-scenes reality, is basically everyone knows now, is that's the point where, like, Vin Diesel and The Rock cannot be in the same room. Right. They refuse <laughs> to share screen time together. The, the, the dick-measuring contest has gone out of control, right? And but they now, both think that... Uh, let, let, let's take a moment to talk about this. Is yeah. this all wrestling marketing? Because he's fucking back. Is like, is it all kayfabe, dude? Like, I can't. Like, I don't think so. But I, John, I do think. Let not to jump to the end of the movie, but I do think. Yep. Uh, Hobbs and Giselle coming mm -hmm. back is also a little mm -hmm. bit of like, well, the DC universe collapsed. Let's just have like two huge celebrities walk right back into our movies. This is all I have to say. I, I have a, a listener of, uh, of uh, Blank Check, my podcast, uh, went to a test screening of this movie in, I think, either December or January and, and told me some of his thoughts on it. And then after I saw it, I went like, can I cross-reference some of the things I'm guessing versus what the state of the movie you saw in December or January? At that point in time, this movie had a different ending that was less of a cliffhanger, I will get to, uh, but also Giselle coming out of the submarine was... The end credits reveal, not the ending of the proper movie. And then I have had this confirmed by several people now. The scene with Hobbs was shot 10 weeks ago. I believe it. It was shot 10 weeks ago. And it was a, I've lost Black Adam. I've lost this DC thing. I need like safe territory kind of thing. What are the two things that The Rock did in the last like three months? He said like, please let me shoot something new for Fast X. And I'm going to remake Moana in live action. Like, it's like he had been pushing all his chips in on this Black Adam thing. And then the power structure like, of the DC universe has changed forever. Yeah. The hierarchy of power. Yeah, the hierarchy of power, correct. The dorkiest way of wording it. But also, like, publicly being like, maybe they should put me in charge of all DC movies. 
not just I'm the most important character, yeah. not just I'm Iron Man, but I also want to be Kevin Feige. He he's shot though. He's like he's broken, dude. Totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, what are the two things that everyone likes me in the most? And uh, Moana. And my face wasn't in it. I'm gonna fix that. Oh, he's gonna sing in live action. I'm gonna blow my fucking head off. <laughs> it's gonna be bad. And then he and then he comes back to this. So I don't think. I think if Black Adam had worked, he would not come back. I think the rivalry is real. I have no idea how they solve putting the two of them actually in the same movie again this time. But Fate is the movie where that whole hook of Dom goes bad and he's separated from the group comes from they can't be in the same plot line. So we're going to put Dom off in his own thing, and now Hobbes is leading the family, right? right? And that's the problem with that movie is you're just sort of like, it's shitty to have Dom separated from them. You're losing, like, the juice. And also— He's leading the team because he's the the biggest star in the movie. When in reality, if Dom leaves, Letty would lead the team. Right. Right. Yeah. It doesn't emotionally make sense that Hobbs is like, let me take over. <laughs> right. And they're all like, yeah, cool. And he's like, by the way, I'm recruiting a new member, that guy who killed your friend. Like, this is the whole problem is you're like this interloper now deciding this is his franchise. And I feel like everyone was like, that was a big mistake. Give The Rock his own film. We just need to separate them into different franchises. F9, let's get back to the family. Yes. Let's Fucking long lost brother. Mia's back. We're bringing everything back to the center. We got, and the, this the, movie we is, got even the Tokyo Drift guys popping into the of movie. Of course. Yeah. Bring everyone back in. Han's back alive, right? Like, peace is restored. And then this movie is like, let's silo them off into six different plot lines. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? That's the whole thing we all like about these movies are the family as one unit. Right. And, right? and I think if they're like looking at the, they're looking at the dual movie or uh, trilogy as one big finale, there's obviously yeah. going to be the whole team gets it back together at the end. But sure. so obviously we have. Hobbs is going to go kill uh, Reacher in a separate uh, right. action sequence. He's going to go fight Reacher. And as Dom goes, squares off against Dante. And Statham goes right. and rescues um, his uh, mom. Mom. Mum. Right. St Statham goes and rescues mom. And then God knows who else shows up in these next two. Right. Uh, we, Kurt they've teased Kurt Russell way too hard for him not to appear. I hate how much Absolutely they talked about him in this movie. I was like, you have three nobodies in this movie. Why do we keep talking about the third one who's not here? <laughs> it's wild. It's like Scott Eastwood, the least successful addition to the franchise ever, is brought back and then basically hospitalized. And then they introduce Brie Larson to replace him. And I'm like, one or the other. Right. Just never have him in. But it must there the contracts must be bananas where it's like fuck it we got to get him in this one scene just so he we don't get like a kill fee you know of course <laughs> but then I'm also just like wh why why is this movie adding this many new characters right it the last thing we need if you're like we're beginning the finale is to like set up new wrinkles new threads you got a deep fucking bench you already have too many characters we like to deal with it has become unwieldy right <laughs> and then there was a list of characters who people would be thrilled if they came back right if if brie larson in this movie was eva mendez reprising her role people would be hooting and hollering exactly right it would be exciting if mr nobody came back to life right there are like so many of these i mean this is also i think a moa problem which we'll get to in a second but i'm like there are villains from previous films i would be more excited to see 
return. I'd love to see a distant relative of the Tran family, right? Right, yeah. I would love to see fucking Kohlhauser come back from Too Fast, right? <laughs> I, I mean, there's always been the thing of, like, could you do the League of Bad Guys and have all the fucking villains all team up, whatever? Why not? The last like, thing- Dante should just be recruiting them for the next two movies, by the way. He should have right. everyone that's ever been against them kind of work together. It should be, like, the fucking reunion trilogy. And I think Jacob Toretto was already the kind of like, you didn't know it, but I was secretly pulling the strings for the last couple of movies. I do not need a new character to be like, I was secretly off camera the entire time. And now I'm going to explain to you why I'm the most important. Also, this franchise has basically had Academy Award winner Charlize Theron just kind of on simmer for three movies. And I'm like, shit or get off the pot. Either she's the big bad or she's not. Right. Either make her the big bad guy. Her, they them trying to roll her into the family like yes. with Shaw they had the excuse that Han wasn't actually dead but Elena Wait. is dead like <laughs> she it's fucking dead. killed she put a gun to a baby's head and they fucking Point blank <laughs> Dom saw it with his own eyes he wasn't touching tire tracks and imagining something that happened right, right? right. <laughs> it, it, it happened but I'm also just like I, look I'm not against I, I do I like the Dom is able to convert anyone through the power of family and barbecues thing that this movie tries to get meta about, right? My problem is less, I don't believe that she can be saved or vindicated, right? Or or redeemed. It's more like, I still think they haven't totally let her pop off. Yes. I still think we haven't, like, 8 was like her movie, but it still felt like they were holding stuff back to be like, well, she's going to be a recurring thing. Right. And then th- you think she's going to be, her- like, the, the big baddie, and then they, of course, right. inc- inc- create a whole new one. And then— Right. 9 puts her in a glass box to tie things back to family, and I was like, okay, great. And then if you're doing your finale, have her now take the stage as, like, the grand orchestrator. Have her reunite all the villains from the past movies and be leading them. And instead, this movie starts with her being like, I thought I was bad, but you should see this guy. Uh, this and movie starts with her friend. pulling up in a DeLorean to to yeah. Dom's house and knocking on the door. Dom... With a bloody fucking handprint. Dom Toretto, yes, with a bloody... Fu- Dom Toretto, who is now had... Nine insane huge missions, or, you know, seven insane huge missions where people have tried to kill him. Bombs have been delivered to his house. He doesn't have security cameras. Someone knocks on his door. He's like, well, we better find out who that is. You know, little B, uh, safety protocol. And we go downstairs, and it's like, guys, a a team of people could just come up and shoot your house with a bazooka, and you're dead. then do, with, like, no precautions. (laughs) I mean, we're jumping around here, but, like, He's like, I got to go on a mission. Little B, I'll be back. I'm I'm making a promise, right? And then it cuts to Mia is just watching Little B at their home. And you're like, if Charlize Theron was able to find the home that easily, and she says, I'm warning you about this guy who's worse than me, (laughs) why isn't Dom like, hey, take Little B somewhere far off the fucking grid? Our friends at the Black Man Can't Jump in Hollywood podcast, who just did a a great episode with uh, Demi Dijuibe on this movie, Made the great point of, like, it is impossible Dominic Toretto does not have a fucking panic room in his house. It's crazy that he does. (laughs) impossible. This guy has lived in the same house for 25 years. It has been attacked so many times. They had to rebuild it. Everyone fucking knows this house, right? People just knock on his goddamn door. I understand it's because he has emotional ties to this place. He wants his barbecues to stay in the exact same place. But if he's staying there, this house is fucking tricked 
out. It's crazy. We know. Yeah, it's bananas that it's not, and that they're banking on hope. I guess he. We're supposed to assume he told Jacob to come help B and Mia, right? Like, yeah, it, but yeah, but but I'm like, he told Jacob to come and help little B and Mia dressed up as the type of guy who was attacking them after they already showed up. And I'm like, why not tell him to just show up a day earlier? Right. <laughs> why not just say, I'm sending little B to Jacob? The answer is they have to find a way to put Mia in one scene of this movie. Yes, which besides is, a barbecue. Uh, and the movie- right kicks off with a barbecue that's how we yes. knew i was like whoa this movie is we're throwing previous conceptions on its fucking head we're not ending on a corona barbecue we're starting with one and we're introducing abuelita rita Moreno. Well, let's say the very first thing in this movie which i think is a fatal miscalculation is largely flashback to fast five mostly watching the real sequence as it played out with some cut-ins to reveal that Jason Momoa was actually there right out of frame the whole time. The son of Herman Reyes, the largely functionary villain in Fast Five, right. who they treat in this movie as if he was Thanos. And it's like, the secret of Fast Five, even though that's the best movie, he's just some guy in a fucking suit, because for most of the movie, Hobbes is actually the antagonist, right? <laughs> and then at the end, Reyes is just some guy they need to fucking get rid of. He's just some boring businessman drug lord, right? And a bit of a miscalculation like as well as putting one, the greatest uh, action sequence from the entire series in the beginning exactly. of this movie. Is this like is <laughs> my exact point. This movie starts and I'm like, fuck, this is good. Maybe I was worried about this one. Maybe this one's going to make it happen. I'm like, oh, they're just playing the best sequence from the best of these movies. And then the second it cuts to presentation, I'm like, this feels wrong. And now I have a stronger comparison point. Right. They accidentally showed you the peak. best thing they've ever done. It's like, and now check this right. out. <laughs> and you're like, we cut to little B doing wheelies in a fucking parking lot. Everything looks CGI'd. Vin looks fake. And then he's like, time for the barbecue. I'll finish this driving lesson later. And then Rita Moreno coming in, doing the barbecue. I read some interview with Louis Leterrier where he was like, I was really interested in trying to deconstruct the Fast and Furious movie and almost as like a conceptual exercise, do the Fast and Furious movie we expect, but in reverse. And I'm like, <laughs> so you're just doing the opposite of the thing that works. We all like these movies ending with the fucking barbecue. It's like the nice emotional denouement. You start with one. You do immediately feel destabilized yes. and you'd be like, well, this should better be for a good reason. And you're like, the reason is this movie has no ending. Right, right. We have to, we can't ever, there's no justification to get to a barbecue later on. Right, uh, right. Now, I don't care about Dante, how he is the bad guy. It doesn't matter. I think it's rich to have just a character be uh, a feminine, a feminine fucking bad guy. It's like, what a great reaction to everything we've seen previously. But it's, I just don't care. I don't believe it. The, the, the path Dante makes makes no sense. He has nobody, no. but then he has an army. Then he steals Cypher's army, but then he's already had uh, uh, aims from the jump on his side. Like the reveal that Let's aims put, is bad okay. doesn't work yeah. based on everything else leading up to that moment. Like why would, when when the rock when they're in the car and and Vin goes, I'd put a seatbelt on if I was you. And and Ames is like, what are you talking about? It's like Ames, you don't know that the guy you're working with is gonna blow him. Yes. <laughs> no, it makes it makes it makes no sense. We will get to Ames in a moment. Put about ten minutes on the clock because we need to fucking unpack everything about this Momoa character, 
end performance, yes. which has proven to be very divisive. I am on the nay camp. Oh, I uh, am on, on the yay camp because it is. I the bar in these movies is so low. This is like a guy like in a sketch comedy show coming out with a fake mustache on when no one else has had any gear on. You know what I mean? And you're like, I would say this is closer to a guy in an improv show taking his dick out. And you're like, it is a move. Right? Yeah. Right. You're gonna get a response from the audience, unquestionably. <laughs> Can I back it up comedic comedically? No. Will I laugh? Probably. Is it less wooden than everything that's happened before it? Yes. Does that make it? Successful? Yeah. Oh, because it's flaccid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it does feel like there are like 10 things on paper I, I, I'm into the idea of with this character and all of them are at odds with each other. And just as a whole, it makes no he sense. He doesn't make sense. His justification, nothing about him makes sense, nothing. but he, nothing he, to me, he's a, a nice color in the palette of the movie. Uh, well, here's the, I, there is a version of this that I would like, but I think it is. There is no center to this character. He does not make sense as written. Uh, reasons I, I will unpack in a moment uh, from my view. Uh, and so Momoa is just trying a bunch of shit, right? Yes. <laughs> like they haven't, they have not successfully made the pizza dough. And he's like, well, I'll just get to work on the toppings. Right. <laughs> How about clams? It's like, slow down, slow down, slow down. <laughs> slow down. We're putting flour in a bowl right now. Let's put some clamshells right? in And it. he's just putting <laughs> toppings on top of the flour. Um, I, I think a, a Matt Singer, a, a friend, a great uh, film writer, um, was at the same screening I was at. And... Uh, I went to it with, with David Sims, my blank check co-host, and we were just like, well, that sucked. That's like the worst of them, obviously. And then we walked out and we were very surprised that a lot of people were like, I don't know, it's fun. And Matt was the guy who I felt like was on the same page as us. He wrote a really great review of this movie, but he sort of devoted like two paragraphs to just breaking down Dante Reyes as he is presented, right? Which is like just, just textually, right? Not even talking about the choices that Momoa makes. Uh, <laughs> This is a guy who says, you ruined my life. You took away my future. You took away my legacy. You took away my family. I have nothing. I need to get revenge on you. A price must be paid, right? Now, what do we see in this movie? He almost immediately admits he never really liked his father. <laughs> so he doesn't seem that sore about, he says, my dad was a pretty awful guy, kind of a dick, but I don't know. I kind of liked him. So I'm like, so this isn't like an emotional vengeance thing. It's not like you lost the most important person in your life. You're kind of glib about this, right? Okay. Then you, you took away my legacy, right? What you were going to inherit? What this like uh, drug trade, this, this like, you took away the money, the business structure. I don't know. Seems like you still have everything. Seems like you still have infinite resources. Constantly, everyone, everything at your disposal. Everything they say you lost, you don't have. And it's like, you took away my reason for living. Kind of seems to me like you didn't have much of a thing before this. And now you're loving hunting Dominic Toretto. He seems to have given your life purpose. You seem very happy and not haunted at all about what's happening. No, you seem giddy. And I know part of the... <laughs> right, that's the thing. I know part of it's like, well, this guy's so twisted. He's like the Joker. He's a sociopath. And I'm like, right, so he's like a hedonist. But they're also trying to make him like tortured and haunted, right? It's, they're they're, and they're like, trying too hard with the family shit because they need like the, the dark mirror, the black mirror version of these of guys. And it's like, well, what if 
Because what makes Dante different than Dom? He's just getting revenge for his family. And then it's like, oh, he's licking blood off knives and is like uh, painting the toenails of dead uh, of, of colleagues that he must have killed at some point. <laughs> yes. Right. Who he stole from Charlize Theron with by with like, blackmail by kidnapping yes. all of their families with what right. guys did he kidnap the families? Because he's there to recruit an army. It seems like he right. already I'm has like, an army and he's working with as... Mr. Nobody. Uh, he's working with Sergeant Ames, uh, 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 Agent Ames already. Yeah. He already so has I... people. He's been working with Another... him since his dad died. It makes no yes. sense. Yes. <laughs> he's had a, everything figured out for the last fucking 10 years. I'm just like, this guy shouldn't be angry about anything. And least of all, like, why does he need revenge on Dominic Toretto, who this movie reminds us at the end was not actually the person who killed his father. It was Hobbes. Right. <laughs> Dominic Toretto did not kill his father. Dominic Toretto stole his money, but it doesn't seem like it affected him that much because the guy fucking lives it up, is covered with like $8 million worth of jewelry at all times, drives the nicest cars. He, he, he recruits nerds because he needs nerds but throughout the rest yeah. of the movie we see him operating some of the most high-tech uh computers and machinery and and right. weapons and bombs he's an expert in hand-to-hand -hand combat and he got he's, into he's all this when his dad died and he decided however long ago 10 years that he's gonna hunt dominic toretto down but he's waiting <laughs> it pouts around like he's miserable you know he's like the person who's like a giant successful movie star and keeps on talking to you about how lonely they are <laughs> and how bad their life is right, and, you're like, and you're like look depression is real these are choices you're making at this point but, but you're yeah. making choices <laughs> right. you're making choices right you could try to build a better life for yourself uh and it's like you seem to be having a great time you seem to have everything you want I do think the sort of like the idea of making him an anti-dom makes sense in a little bit of a way. Right. And I the idea of making him this guy who's sort of like trying to uh, stand in opposition to the absurd cartoonist masculinity that exists right. in after movie. Hobbes, after Shaw, after um, right. uh, Jacob, like, you know, you, uh, right. But and they're I, not going to cast an actual feminine like a woman no or an actually right. effeminate or gay man they're gonna cast another macho asshole who's just putting on like i paint my toenails which i should say right, i right, is a, the camp of masculinity i'm from but still oh of course <laughs> but then like when he's doing it I, I i hope he's okay with me saying this but i turned to david when we were at the screening the scene the toenail scene right and i turned to him and i went is this performance offensive and he just went I don't think we're allowed to say that anymore. And I think he's right. It's not my place to say. And I like the idea of there being like a more kind of like, uh, I, I don't know, a more fluid representation of masculinity in this franchise that has always been incredibly aggro. Yeah. I think part of what I like about it as a guy who is not very masculine at all, an ex-girlfriend of mine once said, I, th I think I finally get it. You like all these things that are like parodies of masculinity. <laughs> like you love the Fast and the Furious movies and Guns N' Roses, which are like so over the top that they do not threaten you. They do not make you feel emasculated. They make you feel like, well, masculinity is silly anyway, <laughs> right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but you're like, the Charlize character could be the like, I'm the fucking anti, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm the misandrist. I fucking hate men, Right. Whereas this, you're like hiring a guy who is a traditional action star and then having him act in a way that is not 
often seen in these movies and be like, and fuck you. I'm like aggro about it. Right. right? <laughs> I think, you know, I think he's pulling a lot from all the various versions of the Joker, obviously. Oh, yeah. I think he's pulling a lot from Javier Bardem and Skyfall. Well, that's right. Who has that same that's kind exactly of thing. exactly the person I was going to use because there is the history of the sort of like uh, high femme uh, villain, yes. obviously. And Bardem from Skyfall is the is a, a perfect recent example to go up against Bond, the most masculine of masculine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Right. And he's standing in opposition to Bond in that way. He's threatening him in that kind of way. Right. But then there's also the similar thing in the characterization of like, this is the the shadow Bond. This is the guy who had everything taken away from him. His life was destroyed. He was not the golden child, right? Right. He's jealous of this beautiful life that that Dom lives, uh, and he makes this threat of like, "I'm gonna, I, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm gonna punish you, right? I'm gonna torture you. I'm gonna take away everything you love." And the black man can't jump. And Hollywood guys made this great point of like, this movie should be. Dante being like, I am going to one by one kill off every member of your family. That, <laughs> that the movie needs to be that you can't kill the guy from Rio, the street racer guy. Like, that's not enough of that's not enough meat. It's got to be. And th the thing about these movies is, you know, Tej won't let himself like, of course, but it's got to be ludicrous. It's got to be Han. That's it's got to be someone You're like. Yeah. This movie should kill off Tej at, like, the 30-minute mark. Like, the Rome sequence should end with Tej dying. Yes. That, that is the only move they really have to be like, oh, fuck, there are stakes now, you know? And have the threat, which, by the way, is similar to what they did with Shaw, where, like, the beginning of Seven, they tie in the Han death from Tokyo Drift, and they're like, Shaw's coming after us one by one. I have to protect my family. Yeah. It's a move they've done before, but that's the only way to actually create stakes for Dom, right? Right. Is like, I'm destroying what, you took away my one family member, who, by the way, I didn't even like. So I'm going to now kill all of your family members. Instead, he's like, I'm going to torture you by creating random acts of terrorism across the world that you can't stop. Right, that that you feel the need to stop for some reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> they try to do this, like, you know, how do you choose the ones you save thing, but they never actually test it in any meaningful way. They set up a new character. What I think is, Maybe the best performance in the movie. I think Danielle Malchior is really good. Elena's sister? Yes. Yeah. And it's crazy I think I that they're it. adding Elena's family. They're adding Reyes's family. They're adding so much. <laughs> but the couple of scenes they have together. A, I think she's a, a really good actor. I loved her in Suicide Squad. I think she's just kind of got a lot of like natural depth to her. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Wait, who is she in Suicide Squad? I don't remember her from before this. She's movie. Rat Catcher 2. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's rad in that movie. Um, but I think, like, those scenes are the only scenes in this movie that capture for me the thing I've seen a lot of people complain about 9 recently, uh, as this one was coming out and saying why this was an improvement on 9, is, like, oh, 9 is, like, so much, like, shoe leather and, like, intricate plotting and these, like sort of led in emotional scenes and everything. And I'm like, yeah, these movies need a balance of like absurd action movie shit. And for me, I want that countercut with po-faced, melodramatic, telenovela, like what we mean to each other. Yes. Emotional, like emotionally torrid scenes that are so caught up in the intensity of like this lore means something, right? 
The, the history of these characters means something. I like the earnestness of that. Those couple of scenes that Vin has with her, I'm like, these are the only scenes in this movie that represent that emotional balance I need in these films. And I feel like none of the existing legacy characters in this film have any of that with each other. I'll, th- I'll throw out one counterpoint to that because I do think mm. another example is Roman and Tej in the plane after they fought and, to, and Roman is feeling the guilt of having his mission being, and te- that is the sure. only other, and this is a series that usually features uh, dozens of these amongst va- various iterations of the characters, yeah. and I like those moments, and that's the, that's the only other one where any two characters connect, and they seem like well, they've been friends for 20-plus uh, years. Also, the plotting of this movie, all the characters are spread out so much that they're like the only two characters who get to do their dynamic together. Right? Right. And, right. Yeah. Because even Dom and Letty aren't together except for like one no. weird kissing sequence in their house or whatever. Like, yes. Where they get which, by the their way, version of sexual, which is like kiss twice, then talk about faith. <laughs> like, and also, like th- that scene in their bedroom, I just went like, I don't remember how recently we've seen their bedroom in these movies, but it was one of those things where like this movie just feeling wrong to me from like second one. Like this thing is just, it's not getting the intangible details right. That scene, I was just like, this is not what their bedroom looks like. I'm not even saying this isn't what their bedroom has looked like previously, but I was like, this is not how Dominic Toretto would funny you say, dress his bedroom. Uh, funny you say this. I almost took out my phone in the yeah. movie because it was early enough I to take a photo to send to you afterwards because on Dom's nightstand, this is like, it was yeah. driving me crazy because I'm like, oh, we're seeing inside the bedroom. What's the set deck? Like on the nightstand is like, a vertical phone charger, a like lamp, and like it's like, wait, he would have a so Letty would have a gun, like there would be yes. like there would be a, a cross, a picture of a car, a car model, kid toys, anything that is characterization. But like a vertical phone charger is such a yeah. funny thing because I don't even know rich people who like rich normies no, have this don't looks have like that. A, f- a fully furnished like sublet right, right. with like Target furniture. Right. Right, not the place this guy has lived in his entire fucking life. And, like, mind you, a thing this movie reminds us of, which this franchise usually doesn't try to acknowledge, and this one does directly, is, like, they are all worth tens of millions of dollars, right? They talk about in this, this movie— This is the first movie that they get robbed. bank fund. <laughs> right? Yes. Right, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. I guess they are doing these missions where the government is probably paying them, like, fucking $10 million collectively. <laughs> To, like save the world every time and I'm like I understand he still wants to live in his house but either his house looks exactly the way it did when he was growing up and he hasn't touched a fucking thing or he's plussed it up a lot on the inside and this movie's like neither and in the same way that it's like if there's the threat he's either sending little B off to Jacob immediately immediately he doesn't go to Mia first he goes Jacob show up here before these guys get here fucking take him off site or he's like, Mia, take him down to the safer. Yeah. Because, of course, don't just sit in the living room playing the fucking Hot Wheels video game. <laughs> Look, like, the the house is a microcosm of the problem for me, which is just, like, it feels like this movie is at least 10% off on every character. Uh, right? Agreed. Let's, let's unpack some more house shit here. Yeah. The fucking... He has a memorial to his living brother-in-law in his yes. garage. <laughs> like, yes. And the the whoever did, did set deck for this movie fucked up and just broke one rule that I hate for photos. It can't be 
obvious screen grabs from previous movies. Oh, of course. But there's a there's shot nothing... of Letty through the windshield. Yeah, a shot of three of them through a windshield. Who took that? A shot of Letty through a windshield. Who took that? The shot of Letty and Dom on their wedding that was like private in the Dominican Republic. No one like, knew about it. No witnesses. <laughs> no witnesses. They had a wedding photographer there that yeah. also happened to be the DP of that film. <laughs> Which, by the way, this movie also does the same thing with Ames, where they go to the agency. Which we'll get to that. Ugh. Uh, and he's surrounded by video clips he's pointing to that are the action sequences from all the movies. Yeah, like and they're how did those get, the footage. how did those get filmed? Yeah, like right. It's not like they're faking cell phone security camera footage or some shit. They're like, no, this is like a 4K rip. We have 21 cuts in this sequence of what Dom did previously. It's like, yeah. what editor, what high-powered editors you get to come in and do this? <laughs> right, but that's the thing. I'm just like, right off the bat, all of this just feels wrong to me. I thought, I had the thought during this movie of like, look, I'm not going to spend the next 10 years online making my entire personality about this. I'm going to just walk away and process it. But I felt the way watching this that I think other people feel about like The Last Jedi. A movie I like, but the people who dislike it are like, Luke wouldn't do that. All of this is wrong. Star Wars doesn't look like this, you know? Like, every single decision made in this is, like, is not calibrated with my compass for what the heart of Star Wars is. Agreed. And I just felt like everything in this is just, like, a little bit off at best. Um, the house is a big part of that, and you've now brought up this other thing, which we need to talk about, which is they are now so thoroughly fucked by keeping Brian alive. It is a thing that they it, just cannot solve now. It is, uh, especially in a movie, uh, in a series where three actors have been resurrected. We've had three Everyone, characters resurrected. The one character who's really dead, who's, the yes, actor yes. is really dead. Yes. So in this moment, Mia is watching her nephew who's named yeah. for her husband yeah. <laughs> who's alive yeah. but her kid and her husband are elsewhere totally yeah. safe for some reason he can't right. make the barbecue but she's yeah. putting her life on the line for little B in hand to hand combat it gets so crazy this thing where like twice a movie someone has to like get off a phone and go like I just talked to Brian he's safe yeah, right. <laughs> and then everyone talks about him as if he's dead like they're so actively missing him but even nine ends with him rolling up to the to the barbecue, which I thought was a pretty elegant way of being like, yeah, the characters do see him. We just obviously don't want to show some ghoulish CGI yeah. Paul Walker in the movies. And then this movie, the entire time, Dom acts like things haven't been the same since I lost Brian. And it's like, he's your brother-in-law. You see him all the time. Yeah, he's he just not on at this missions. one barbecue for some reason. Right. Yes. <laughs> it makes me feel really bad for Jordana Brewster, who's kind of like fucked in these movies. Because now, like, it doesn't make sense for her to be there and for him not to be there, right? right? Uh, I, I thought they did a good job of giving her more to do in Fine because Jacob, it's like, well, she's invested in this thing. But this is, like, the most perfunctory. She's watching Little B. The guys, the SWAT team shows up. She, like, fights them for three minutes to fulfill, like, her one contractual demand, right? I want to have an action sequence. Right. And then John Cena basically pulls off his mask and goes, like, I'll, I'll take this plot line from here. Right. Thank you. You can go hang out with your husband and other and your, the rest right. of your family. And you, at $2.5 made out to cash, that was your ask? <laughs> right. You got it. Deposited you got it. here. Now, and right. also— 
we're we're not even going to get into the fact that Jordana Brewster, <laughs> um, John Cena, and Vin Diesel are blood relatives, right. <laughs> like other Three and Rita Moreno, <laughs> and Rita Moreno, right? But the three of them look very, very different. They and they are all like. <laughs> you know who else looks pretty different? Lil B. Lil B. Lil B. Ends up a little. Darker than the rest of his family, which is kind yeah. of uh, kind of intriguing, considering right, and his his mother was Elena. Yeah, right. Like the, 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 I will say, mm-hmm. I thought if any movie could handle having like a kid be in it a bunch, yeah, it would be this movie because if it's I like, thought so too. I because if it's fa- and little B is baggage in this movie. Agreed. Agreed. Here's the thing though: they have no take on him. He right? is kid, right? There's like, he has no personality. They truly just thought like, well, if you put a kid in the movie, you'll be cute. And it's no offense to this kid or his performance. He's got nothing to play, right? No, it's no, just actually, like, he's got one thing to play and I'm going to act it out, unfortunately, for the podcast, okay. for the podcast sure. listeners. Yes. <laughs> Gabrus is looking comically at the arc of a crazy special effect that's happening. It's called like the free. Him. It's called like free willy neck. You have to yes. like act like the car is flying. All right, Lil B, the car is flying over you now, and yeah. you think it's crazy. <laughs> All this kid needs to work is some degree of specificity. There has to be some choice made as to what his personality is. Which, by the way, there are a lot of ways you could go of. How does Dominic Toretto's son turn out? Right. Right. Growing up in this environment, is he like? Little Dom, is he really, like, following in his father's footstep? Is he, like, in a rebellious phase where he's pushing back against it? He hates that he's caught up in all this drama? Or is does he a he little too aggressive and, like, himself? they have to teach him to be like, hey, not so macho, Lil is, B. Is like, he a little like, too yeah. soft and they need to teach him how to toughen up? I don't know. This movie has no fucking take. I and thought they were at least going to go with weirdly knowledgeable about cars to a cute, impressive way. I like I, That is like that. the perfect... Instead, they give it to Ramsey randomly. Yes. They give that bit to her. Like, I'm actually well, a genius, they don't, too. Like, they're like, it, it's, do we still need four computer hackers? Maybe instead she's the <laughs> car expert. And you're like, Tej started out as the mechanic who owned the body shop <laughs> and knew how to build cars. Then at some point became secretly one of the world's best computer hackers. Then Ramsey shows up and is like, your scale of good computer hacker has been whacked. Tej is maybe 90th best hacker in the world. I'm number one. The last movie you reveal that Ramsey doesn't know how to drive, which I thought was funny because she's the only character who comes to this from outside of car culture. Right. I like that <laughs> sequence. It's a good action sequence to have someone who can't drive be placed in the middle of a Fast and Furious franchise. Am I jealous that she got to do it when that was always my pitch for what I would do in these movies? Yes, yeah. of course. But <laughs> Little Manhattan boy. I could be a little Manhattan boy who gets a car. Uh, but, but then this movie is like, oh no, now she's like the car expert. Now she knows every model number and she's like Robert Oppenheimer regretting the day she ever built the God's eye because she thought it would be used for good. What the fuck? You thought it'd be used for good. What possible positive application? Finding a missing 24 year old or whatever. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking? I never imagined this would happen when I created the God's eye. And the fact that the God's eye is now like a Palm pilot too. Like it was like, it keeps changing exactly what it is. And like, how do you, and it's like the moment, by the way, in this movie, when Mrs. Nobody goes, I think it's safe in my pocket. I'm like, come on. When is it true? Yeah. (laughs) When has that ever been true? Never been true. Before we move off Lil B. Oh, we're not moving off Lil B. 
He fucking kills somebody in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the child, ha- he has murdered someone. <laughs> right. And his response is basically like episode one style. Now that's what I call pod racing. Yeah, right. Yeah, we did it. The fucking cannon car or whatever the fuck that was. Right. Like this, this kid, it's very similar to Anakin Skywalker, I think, where you're like, oh, my God, young Anakin Skywalker. What what dramatic potential exists there? Right. (laughs) And what they land on is basically like a kid from a Sunny D commercial. Right. (laughs) Purple stuff, cannon car. uh, All right. Ooh, Sunny D. But this movie feels like it's picking up almost immediately from nine, except Lil B has aged like eight years. Yeah, he's the only one. Like everyone else yes. has got like more and more refined uh, skin thanks to everyone looks less wrinkled eight years later. Lil B is like they got he juiced to the age in which you're like allowed yes. to work uh, X more hours than another. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yes. so obviously behind the scenes. It's like, well, Lil B better be at least 10 so that we can have him for seven hour days. And it's like, OK, also like Han has short hair in F9. This movie, the, the end credit scene in F9 is him knocking on Jason Statham's door, which this movie picks up the thread of, and now his hair is long. Right. And there's a beat. I've seen this movie twice, regrettably. I want to see a 40X plus it up at all, and it did not. The 40X no felt way. sloppy. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, there was a moment I caught on the second viewing where as they he goes to knock on Jason Statham's door, and this now needs to cut back into footage they shot in the previous movie, uh, right before Han knocks on the door, he, like, puts his hair behind his ears. Ah. As if to almost say, well, that's why his hair looked shorter in the thing you saw in the last movie, which you thought was happening right after that movie, but actually was a flash-forward to eight years this later moment. when Little B grow, <laughs> or they put Little B on some experimental serum where he's grown this month, much in six months. Yeah, he's on um, whatever Hobbs, Ames, and uh, yes. uh, Toretto are on that right, keep them fucking right. plumped. GBH or whatever. But uh, 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 he, um, it feels like they picked the age that they thought would be funniest for John Cena to play off of, which is so strange for me because it felt like John Cena was doing a lot of comedy, right? John Cena, John Cena and Little B is the strongest acting pairing in the movie. But who the fuck is this guy? This is not Jacob Toretto. No, he's a he's a peacemaker. (laughs) I love John Cena. Right. But like his career arc from like biggest breakout in wrestling since The Rock to like, let's put him in movies. He does a couple fucking action movies that don't really go anywhere. The Marine. Right. 12 (laughs) rounds. Right. All these things. And then there's sort of this incredible reclamation project where they're like, he's actually a really funny comedic actor. And John Cena starts being a comedy guy. And you're like, who would have thought this is where he ends up? Blockers. Him getting cast. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, blockers, uh, 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 train wreck. Right, um, right, right. <laughs> right. Uh, I feel like there's another one. I, forgot. I mean, he does the Playing With Fire movie, the Nickelodeon film, in which he is a fireman at a firehouse with Keegan-Michael Key and John Leguizamo. And it's like his very low-stakes kindergarten cop, the pacifier-type movie, where it's like, here's a big tough guy. He's got to take care of kids, and this is even harder than doing the scary thing, fighting fires, right? 
And it felt like they were just like, you know what? We wish he had done that instead in the last movie. Because when he gets cast in nine, it's almost like we're finally giving new reclaimed John Cena a chance to do the action movie thing again, to play serious and tough. When he's mostly been like deflating his like, you know, masculinity for comedic effect. He's this tortured man. He's sort of what they're trying to make Dante be, which yes. is like he's never gotten over this one moment in his life, right? Having to take the fall for their dad dying, being blamed for it. It's curdled him. He's so jealous of the life that Dom has that he doesn't have, that he didn't get either a chosen family or a given family. It was all taken away from him. And then the last movie ends with him finally helping them in the final action sequence, as you know will happen, because it happens in every Fast and Furious movie. But it still <laughs> feels like he has not totally warmed up. And the very end of the film, I thought was a very nice echoing of the end of the first Fast and Furious, where Brian gives Dom the keys to the new car and lets him get away, right? right? Yeah, From yeah. the cops. And Dom does the same thing, where he like gives him the keys to the car, and it isn't like, welcome home, brother, move in with us. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, you're... Thank you for what you've done, and uh, let's part ways here. Right, and the movie ends with him sort of like grimacing, looking off into the distance, ominous music playing, and it's like, okay, this guy's going to do some soul searching. He's going to figure it out. We obviously haven't seen the last of him, but he's working through some shit, right? Maybe he's going to sign up for better health. Who knows? And then better health. And then this movie <laughs> starts with, Oh, apparently in the interim between nine and 10, they've been hanging out all the fucking time. He's a perfect part of the family unit. Little uncle B knows Jacob. him really well. Yeah, he's exactly. a fun uncle. <laughs> he's resolved all of his shit. He's got a scene in the car where he's like, you know, when I was young, I used to blame myself for my father's death. And at some point I really just learned to accept it and love myself. And, and I'm you're like, like, that was last movie. <laughs> the whole last movie was you fucking being tortured about this for 35 years. Where was all of the character growth? Where the fuck did this happen? And it truly just feels like new director comes in and he's like, I think John Cena is good in comedies. We should have just had him do that in the first place. I Let's think just totally swap him out and have him do a different fucking thing. I think they were unfortunately right. As much as that character development is shattered... Uh -huh. Watching it with Tiff, Tiffany was like, "My favorite part was uh, all the stuff with John Cena and the kid." And I was like, "He makes total sense." <laughs> is a very engaging performer. That having been said, let me pitch you this: Is that plot line not better if a lot little B has any of the hooks we just pitched? Right? I know. <laughs> any characterization whatsoever? <laughs> anything? Where even it's like there's something about his struggle to relate to Dom. And it's Jacob who is able to guide him through some difficulty in his relationship living under his father's shadow. The same thing that Jacob has dealt with his whole life, right? The second thing is, I'm all for letting John Cena be funny. And he is funny with kids. Is it not funnier if you do a little bit more of the fucking kindergarten cop thing? Where, where he's he a little tougher, yeah. <laughs> John Cena tough guy trying to relate to a child. Right. Then the movie where he is the host of the Nickelodeon Kid Choice Awards. He is the least threatening man in the world. He's got a fucking dad car. He like does goofy dances to good vibrations. You know, I'm like, he's funnier playing it kind of straight. He's funnier in like actual peacemaker mode where there's the contrast between like, how tough he's trying to seem and how much he's clearly just a scared little boy right, inside. Right. I'd prefer that. And I also feel like th the moment at the end of this movie where he sacrifices himself and what I would say is not necessary. He's in Come. a car with cannons. There is no reason he needs to die in order 
to knock these guys out, and it doesn't actually even accomplish that much. No, that's what's see the movie also the movies unfortunately or fortunately depending on what yeah. you like about it have established a world where like Dom was gonna get at Dom can get out of that Dom can get out of it like for Jacob to choose to die it's almost like Dom's like no you idiot I can do That's, anything in my car like we would have been fine I would have gotten past this <laughs> you fucking moron and also like the whole movie was last movie was about them working out their differences they share no screen time in this movie until the final car chase where they're talking to each other out moving windows right like fast moving vehicles going 100 miles an hour screaming to each other over there and basically go like, remember when we off screen resolved all of our shit in between movies? Anyway, bye. This right. is a sacrifice I need to make to prove myself. And I'm like, if he were more of an asshole, more of the tough guy struggling to relate to little B, trying to prove himself as a family man this whole movie, it was still a little bit of an uneasy relationship. His sacrifice might actually kind of mean something to me. But I'm like, this guy is now so psychologically well-adjusted seemingly. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, do you just have a death wish? Do you just want to die? Because it doesn't seem like you have anything to prove. No, it, it it's it's so inconsequential that I forgot he sacrificed himself till you said that. Like like yeah. even as we're talking about John Cena, I forgot that his ending was dying. So right. Cena is the only one and he will come back, I got to imagine. Of like yeah. <laughs> but you're like this movie needs to be killing off the characters who have been here for longer if you're trying to convince me that these have any stakes. Exactly. Because like everyone dies and everyone comes back to life. None of this fucking matters anymore. They, this is what ruined comic books. Like, yes. And they they always did a good job of not being fully Marvel movies, but the second right. you can like reset continuity or change actors or whatever, yeah, then we're in a fucking comic book movie again, and that's like the thing. As crazy as the fast movies got, it always still felt like an an antidote or at least yeah. a a opposition to like the Marvel mm -hmm. and Star Wars movies, where it was like, yes, this movie's as fantastical, but we like pretend to be grounded in reality, and then it's like lost even that in this movie i feel like and Absolutely. nine which featured them in outer space eating yes. candy felt more realistic than anything that was going on in this movie yeah also because it, when they're in space fucking tyrese delivers this like incredibly sappy monologue about like finding meaning in life and the like people he's found and and the adventures they've gone on and all this shit <laughs> right there's like, still an emotional tethering Roman to me was a joke in the early like I love him in of Fast course. Two, and then he seems to be like a little bit of it. And now Roman is like Tyre Tyrese, a guy who's got a single name male model, yes. is maybe the most powerful actor in the films. I would say so. He's the only one who kind of has a functional arc in this film. And I use functional very lightly. Right. But he's the only one who kind of has a thing that he plays fairly well and that kind of resolves itself in terms of his own internal emotional journey that having been said these films have never been great at comedy there are Oof. obviously things we find funny in them but the one-liners are often uh, perfunctory at best this movie the comedy is like deathly that when they stop to deliver a joke you could feel laughs going back into the audience members bodies i i say this not to be hyperbolic I do think this movie might have the single worst joke I have ever seen a large budget film attempt. Oh, let's hear it. They get the marching orders that there's a mission in Rome that turns out to be a trap, right? Dom says, I'm going to let Roman handle this one. He needs a chance to prove he can be a leader. A weird thing. 
I don't buy for Dom to ever do, but whatever, right? And Rome is trying to argue to Ramsey and Tej and Han why he's ready to be a leader, right? And why this is the perfect mission. And he's like, Rome, missions in Rome. I'm Roman, Rome, Roman. I'm like the king of Rome. I know the uh, Rome like I'm the back of my hand. And Tej says, only Rome you know is Roman noodles. Oh, yeah. That is a brutal one. That is And a he brutal. delivers it slowly like he's like, <sighs> Let me like, just like it's the eighth take with. and Louis is like, yes. it's Roman noodles. And, right. and Tej he's is like, like, the joke only works if you pronounce it that aggressively. And you can feel Ludacris saying, it doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound like ramen. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> but I think the Pete Davidson uh, comedy said piece like kind of reinvigorates comedy in the movie. <laughs> I was... I was hurt by that because that's a Same. fucking fun role for a fun a uh, comedy actor. We've and been out here for fucking eight years saying, give us a funny one scene role in a Fast and Furious movie. And I, this, I don't even think it should have been your part. This could, I, I ease. I have hacker Not face. Could should have been. If, and if you don't have to do a British accent to be the London fucking yeah. underground guy, you could just be a random New Yorker. I'm even right. I, I'm, I'm ready to go right in there. And they don't even let Pete do jokes. No. A no kid who's been a stand-up, an actor who's been a stand-up comedian since he was like 14. They don't even let him say one fucking joke. There's like one attempted joke. I'd say it's probably a riff. Although, no, I'm going to say someone scripted this because I don't want to blame this on him. Right, right. Yeah. When Rome in the middle of an argument at the middle of this web cafe takes out a pocket full of like sand or dust and throws it in Tej's face to like disorient him. And they cut to Pete Davidson and goes, it's like a ghetto magician. Yeah. <laughs> feels feels real weird. Also, Rome, how long has he been carrying dust? Is that like... Right. Uh, ben Rogers saw it, and he knows I love these movies. He came to me, and he was yeah. like, was that like a LeBron reference? Like, what was happening in that moment? And I go, brother, I cannot even begin to unpack what I've was happening. I've heard other people say this. I, I know nothing about sports. Do you, what is the LeBron thing? What is this? How does this relate to anything LeBron has done? Before each game, LeBron got famous for like chalking up his hands and then big overhead clap that gotcha. makes like a big okay. uh, like dust cloud. And it's kind of okay. cool. It looks, But that's not what Roman does. No. He just happens to have dust in his pocket. Yeah. He happens to have a money vest on. He yeah. happens to have the money vest reveal. That was funny. I did like that shit. I like the receipts thing. I think is funny. That's my favorite bit in the movie. That it's like he wants to be the leader, but he's like a little bit too caught up in like the bureaucracy of actually <laughs> needing to manage these missions than <laughs> right. Dom, who's just like an action star. Yeah, he's like I he's need thinking about like budget. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of fun. Agree. Um, but and kind of fun thing. is like all you need to get me to for you know like in fast sure. X. Sure, I'm like it just needs uh, to be kind of fun, and I'm game. <laughs> Pete Davidson has a bunch of muffins out in front of him, and he's like, "Yeah, you guys want to try a muffin?" And uh, Han, I think, says, "What kind of muffins are these?" And he like wiggles his eyebrows and says, "Magic muffins, right?" And you're like, "Okay, it's a joke about like Pete Davidson being a stoner or something." And then they stand there, and then like. Two minutes later, Han just decides to take a muffin anyway. He starts eating it. Then it cuts down to a, a shot of the muffin, like, distorted. 
Yeah, right? he's tripping like, balls 45 seconds after eating right. a muffin. Yeah. Like goofy, like Harold and Kumar style, like stoned effects, right? And then cuts back to this close-up of Han just kind of looking blank-faced, right? And you're like, oh, fuck. So now Han's going to be stoned for the rest of the movie and do fight scenes? Nope. Nope. His behavior is not changed one iota for the rest of the movie. It never comes into play. There's no comedic payoff. It doesn't impair his like response time at all. He goes straight from the, this into a hand-to-hand combat scene with Jason Statham. Now, this person who DM'd me after the test screening when I was asking them more questions about how this film looked six months ago said, that was not in there. That seems to be a joke that they created in post. That on set, Pete Davidson says Magic Muffin. They screen the movie. Some studio exec, this is conjecture on my part, right? Was like, well, if they're Magic Muffins, one of the, you know, Chekhov's muffins. Why doesn't he get stoned? And Louis Leterrier is like, well, we didn't shoot any footage of him getting stoned. He goes, just cut in a scene of the muffin and we use CGI, make it look wacky. But the next three sequences, Han isn't stoned. Who gives a shit? It'll just be funny when the muffin looks wacky. Han, I think, is severely underserved in this movie. Got nothing to do in this film. He's got nothing to do. I think it's... They they try a couple of things. I, I like that they give him a British car, even though we know he loves Japanese cars. Uh-huh. So like, sure. get him. A, we get we have a, f- a little fun moment there. He is briefly snacking when he walks into Shaw's thing. Snacking right. is his thing. The muffin is his chips. thing. Which if if we expand the muffin bit, the idea that like he compulsively snack snacks. Yeah, he would accidentally eat a pot muffin or a uh, magic I- a mushroom muffin or whatever. Yeah. By the way, like better joke, but this is the thing they would have had to come up with on set is Han is like, A, so fucking chill all the time, right? Yeah. B, constantly snacking that he picks up this muffin and Pete Davidson's like, whoa, 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 not so fast. There's like 180 grams of fucking whatever in that muffin, (laughs) right? This muffin has four full mushrooms in it or whatever the fuck, (laughs) right? And the bit is that Han is unaffected. Right. Like, that's a funnier bit where he's like, did you just eat that whole thing? And Han's and he's like, like yep. yeah, I like eating. <laughs> right. And then Han remains chill. Instead, we cut to Han vision that looks like H&R Puff and stuff. And yeah, then and- it, nothing. Oh, fu- it, 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 it looks like glasses you could buy at like uh, Spencer's. It's like the world gets <laughs> yes. t- twisted yes. when you try these on. Uh, yes. That bothered me. Han yes. versus Statham. Now, yes. in five... Han and Roman getting their ass handed to them by the uh, actor whose name escapes me right now from the mo- from the show Warrior. When when they go two v one oh, sure. in the train yeah. station and they get yeah. absolutely murked by that guy. Yeah, I liked that so much in five because Han and Roman are not good at hand to hand fighting. They're not yes. the guys. That's right. That's Letty. That's Statham. That's uh, Hobbs. Yeah. That's Dom. Somehow Dom is one of the best hand to hand fighters. But we don't have to get into that. I wish Han had that moment of like. Mm-hmm. Shaw is the fucking legend in hand-to-hand right. combat, and I wish that we had a moment where Han was like, "Oh fuck, oh no," or like, "You be careful." I learned a few things. Like any reference to that would have been so rich in that moment because we're seeing one of the best fighters fight mm-hmm. one of the least aggressive, least macho, least fight-capable guys in the crew. Even Tej, yeah, we see Tej do like uh, Muay Thai so frequently in his hand-to-hand shit. Yeah. Clearly, Luda does some training. Han, it's like, just let Han be, oops, my chips, you know what I mean? Like, like let it just be dumb. But they, the movie won't even allow, because I feel like the actor who plays Han is not like, 
as egotistical as the rest of these guys. He's like, I'm yeah, happy no. to be back alive and in these movies. Right. I, I feel like, give him the fucking goofy shit. Give Han a little goof stuff It's here. also like, this was the thing you teed up in the end credits for the last movie is like, and get ready for Han and Shaw to have their showdown. He's got to get revenge, right? Right, right, right. And it just feels like they fight for like three minutes, then a worse group of guys come in and they're like, I guess we got to team up. There's like no sort of catharsis in them finally coming head to head. It feels to me, Statham's whole part in this feels to me like, and too much of this movie feels like this to me. And I, I cannot imagine what a fucking logistical headache it is to not only schedule these movies with this cast in like eight countries and like, you know, 18 month shoots and all this sort of shit, crazy budget, but also like on a creative side, have to balance out. We need to give everyone something to do. We need to meet the demands of each separate star, right? For sure. Uh, I, I can only imagine. It's like, well, no, we can't have Deckard in this scene because we yeah. can't give him another fight scene because if we give him another fight scene, we got to give so-and-so another fight scene, like all the stupid this, rules. This is the one where it feels to me now like this is just like Expendables 3 and they're not even trying. They're just throwing things next to each other. And it's like, is two the one with Chuck Norris or is that three? That's two, I think. He, and okay. Where he's absolutely, like, he can't even, like, move his upper body, and he's just kind of no. walking down the street with guns. There's and everyone's a fight scene with the whole group. Then it, like, cuts to the reverse angle. There's, like, a bunch of smoke. You hear a bunch of gunshots. He comes out of the smoke. They're like, oh, my God, is that who I think it is? They make a bunch of trust, Chuck Norris joke facts about him, yeah. right? Chuck I heard he bit a snake and the snake died of poisoning or whatever, right. you know what I mean? And like, he just yeah. sort of stands there and nods, says two things, and they're like, thanks for your help, and he walks away, right? Yeah. And you're like, they had him on set for two hours? Dude, the Statham scene, especially that where they're yeah. ha where the three of them are outside of that door, that looks like a fucking set at, like, Silver Cup Studio, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. And it's like, that is so embarrassing in this movie that prides it or that i pride it on it yeah. locations and world world you know we're here we're there we're at all these cool locations and this takes place in like a fucking obvious set that gets pulled into a warehouse the statham han sequence the whole statham sequence mm -hmm. reads the same as the rock sequence it could have happened right. in post credits it could have yeah. should have happened in post credits Which, in the last one really swear <laughs> to god I, the, the end credit scene happens with hobbs you're like, it's already been leaked out that The Rock is in the movie, right? The film has yeah. ended. You see this guy in fucking head-to-toe SWAT gear with the mask over his face walking through this house, stumbling upon this video left for him Riddler style. Because apparently Dante is also the Riddler on top of being the Joker. Well, Dan Dante has like the best geek squad in the business. They could set up fucking wireless TVs anywhere. He's got yes. all this stuff. He seems to have no capabilities and all of the capabilities at the same, at the same time. time. Yeah, yeah. Right. And seems to have a like Dominic Toretto style ability to recruit anyone to work for him, even if it's at like, you know, in a threatening way. Right. He's right. Just <laughs> collecting people constantly. But he's leaving these like super cut, like think on your sins uh, sort of videos for all of his people to torture them. And you see this guy watching the video and you're like, it's Hobbs. I know it's Hobbs. And I don't know if you had the same thought, but I was like, that is not The Rock's body. We're not seeing his face. This guy is too small to be The Rock. Yes. And then there is one shot where in close up, he pulls off his mask. You see it's him. He says one line of dialogue. And I'm like, I think they shot this with someone else and digitally superimposed his face. I think if anything, it, that or he shot just the walk up 
to like none of just the, the lead one up. setup. Yeah, just that one setup at the end where he po- because it's I crazy it that the guy when he pulls the mask off, like there's some CGI distortion happening. Trying to connect it to a previous shot or yeah. some shit like that. Yeah, I it's possible. It's fucking embarrassing. I mean, like I'm pumped that Hobbs is back, but it's embarrassing that this is like, like Dante's yeah. got to get him back. Like, why would Dante? pull in anyone else to help Dom fight him. Like, you know what no, I mean? Like, no, <laughs> but also like, once again, if he knows that Hobbs was the one who shot his father point blank, why is why he ever going after Toretta? About Dom? Right. <laughs> Especially once he's robbed him. Yes. Once he's okay. robbed him of all his money, he's like, well, I got right. the money back from the fifth movie. I think I'm okay right. now. <laughs> uh, uh, Ames, uh, uh, Jack Reacher's character. I want to talk about this a little bit, okay? Dude, dude's a little... I, I made this joke on another podcast, but yeah. it feels like like reverse diversity. It's like, we got to add a white guy to this movie so bad. It's like, he's got to be they the add whitest him. guy possible. And then they like... He's like a little bronzed in this movie. He's very yeah. tan. They're like, well, yes. if, he, if he's Ames, he's out in Rio getting a fucking crisp right. on on his forehead and nose. <laughs> so you've... Right. This whole thing of like, you've set up the agency, which is talked about in sort of vague terms, right? And then this movie shows you, like, the headquarters of capital T, capital A, the agency. And I'm like, oh, so you're not just doing sort of, like, lazy, we don't want to explain who they are. You're now deciding this is canonically called the agency, right? Crazy. What is their relationship to the government? Are they, like, an independent entity? You know, it always felt like there was this thing of, like, are they secretly CIA or this or yeah. that? Yeah, are right? they, they secretly they good guys? Are they secretly bad guys? Right. Is it even American? Is it bigger than America? Right. But now you're like, okay, so the agency is the shield of this universe, whatever it is, right? It always felt like Mr. Nobody was top of the food train. This movie sort of acts like Mr. Nobody was kind of, like, going a little rogue with his pet project with the Fast and Furious cast members. He had little nobody, his protege, Scott Eastwood, who just gets like. It was not his son. No. 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 But Brie Larson is his daughter. Correct. Who also works for the agency. And then Alan Richson is the guy who in the void of Mr. Nobody has sort of stepped up and gone like, I never liked the way your dad did shit anyway. I don't like this fucking family. He delivers this monologue in the dumbest like fake CGI bullshit set I've ever seen where they're playing all the clips. And but he delivers this manifesto where I'm just like, this is kind of a good setup for a villain. Right. In the same way that like when Hobbes appears in five and gives his full rundown of like, I know everything about these guys. Right. Well, when when you frame it that way, you're like, oh, yeah, they are kind of bad guys, aren't they? Like and that works for the movie. Yeah. Right. And it's been like five movies since we had that resetting of like they cause damage. We need to stop them. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And Ames is just kind of like as much as this guy's like a square you know i think is a little bit he doesn't have the winking quality of hobbs that allows you to kind of root for him even when you want to see dom beat him right right. uh this guy's like a little bit too much of an actual narc um but i like the speech he gives where he's like this almost fucking supernatural thing of him converting everyone he ever meets 
to be a member of his family. It's like a cult with cars, right? <laughs> and he basically says, like, I am the anti-Dominic Toretto. I don't speak to my family. I hate barbecue, right? Right, yeah. He he that monologue and his monologue about and if they ha- if they're in cars, if it can be done in cars, they've done it twice. Are two of right. the better monologues in the mo- I can't believe wooden ass Reacher fucking pops I know. in this movie. <laughs> I know, and I'm like, well, this is a better setup for a villain than Dante, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm like, what I want this movie to be is basically these two guys folded in. I would prefer the movie that is Ames being like, I know the one way to break him. I need to like go undercover. I need to like pretend to do a Brian arc. Where I am the government agent that he wins over, and then once I get in the inside, I finally stop them. Right? Oh shit! Yeah, and and we kind and they they kind of soft play that in this movie, yeah. right? But instead, what this movie does is he outlines from the beginning: this guy cannot convert me. Right? Dominic Toretto has met his match. I I will not fall for any of his bullshit. Then he's sort of not really doing anything for a big chunk of the movie. He comes in. He's immediately like, "Fuck you, Dominic Toretto. I hate all of your bullshit." Dominic Trout's like, buckle up. He's like, what? Fuck you. Shut up. Car flips over. They get out, right? Ames is like, you were right. I should have buckled up. I will never ignore anything you say to me ever again. And you're like, fastest win over in this franchise ever. You're not even going to make it a bit of a challenge, only to have it, of course, unsurprisingly, 10 minutes later, reveal that, no, he was doing what I was saying he's doing. (laughs) If you want it to be a twist... Don't include the monologue at the beginning where he says, Dom will not get me. Right. Right. Now it's just true. If you want to be a twist, present him as a normal agent. And then at the end reveal, he was trying to get in or set it up at the beginning that this is his objective and he's trying to break Dom. Instead, they try to make you buy the twist as an earnest thing and then immediately upend it. Another thing I heard from this guy who saw the test screening was at that point, Ames was supposed to be Dante's half brother. Yeah, makes sense. That Which ma- makes a lot more sense than just the movie. he was there the whole time. Right. Right, it's like Reyes fucked a white woman. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, Or, to be fair, ethnicity has no bearing on uh, genetics matter. in this movie, so no. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I'm like, what the fuck is in this for Ames? This whole like thing of like Reyes being like, I today I set in motion the next era of our family's legacy. This weird plan to bring in one fucking secret agent. Well, yeah, to like roll, uh, to bankroll him climbing the ranks at the agency. And thank God he gets to the top somehow. And it's now, but it's well after Reyes has died. And now that means Dante has a man on the inside at the agency. Why does he need anything else in this movie? (laughs) Why does he think Dom ruined his life? His father set up basically an action movie trust fund to right. make sure he <laughs> remained in power in this universe, yeah, right? I, you're going to have a man on the inside. Yeah. Also, just you just it triggered in my head the shot of Jason Momoa in the water like when he's like alleged, like after oh. <laughs> he's like that. Looks- his eyes opening up, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> cut to Fast X. Smash cut. I do like that they put him in that fucking SUV with the Gatling gun because that was a cool reference yeah. in five. I was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I just I felt exhausted watching this thing. Um, I got very little joy from it, and it just felt like it. it look, it, when you try to argue about the things that strain credibility, right? 
or credulity, right? Yeah. It, it, again, it's a dicey like topic when it, when we're talking this Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Because anyone who wants to will say to us, you guys are fucking upset that this doesn't make any sense. I'm going to list 40 things in the last 10 movies that you guys liked. What's right. the difference here, right? And I was trying to crystallize it in my mind, and I think part of it is, like, there is this weird dance these movies do between being, like, incredibly earnest and incredibly sort of, like, self-aware tongue-in-cheek, Right. I think this movie veers a little bit too far over into tongue-in-cheek where it feels like it's kind of going like, hey, we all know these movies are dumb, right? And I contend these movies are not dumb, they're silly. There's a big difference. I think they're intelligent about the ways in which they're silly and and where they don't care about reality and where they just want to do the thing that's the most fun or the most emotional or whatever it is. This movie feels like it's made by someone who kind of doesn't like the Fast and Furious movies and thinks that the bit is we all laugh at them, right? Right, yeah. And it's kind of like selling out all of the integrity of these characters, which like, I don't pretend that these are Shakespeare, but I like that they have. I like that they pretend it's Shakespeare. Thank you. That's the difference. I don't pretend they're Shakespeare, but I prefer when they think they're making Shakespeare. Exactly. And once again. It's fucking Frank Drebin. It's fucking Leslie Nielsen. It's like straight. Yeah. Just play it fucking straight and play it fucking straight. And once again, like when you get to like logic leaps of just like that makes no sense. Why would that fucking happen? This action sequence makes no sense or whatever. People go, none of it ever made any sense. I go like, you know, I think especially with like tentpole filmmaking, directors are kind of like con artists, right? If you're making movies about silly bullshit like this, your main goal is to make me buy into the reality where I accept this lie you're telling me, right? Of course none of this makes sense. Of course this isn't how physics works, right? But, like, a con man can look you in the eyes and, like, you know, whatever they say. Same rules as, like, yeah, fantasy, sci-fi, it's the same rules. They're just playing in a genre that where they're pretending it's real. Like, right. And like Lynn had the confidence to like you could feel in his filmmaking. He's looking you in the eyes and is like, you have to accept this. And this movie feels like a shrug to me where I'm like, why am I going to fucking care about any of this? It feels like you don't either. And to quote Matt Singer again, he had this review where he was like, this was the franchise that always secretly rewarded the people who really cared about them, right? You could watch it and just be like, it's silly fun, it's dumb action. Anyone come in, not really know the lore. But there was this secret of like, guys like you and I watching these movies and being like, that's this guy from this one. They're tying this back in. The weird timeline, fucking Tokyo Drift being out of order. They're sort of repaying the people who care enough to like buy in on this shit. And this one, it almost feels like you are punished if you are bringing to this movie any baggage of what you care about in the previous films, if you just want to sit there and watch the cars go fast and watch people do silly things, it's got then some maybe fun shit in it. The, you get it, your twenty dollars worth or whatever, right. right? A big tub of popcorn. But it's like it does feel like it's being a little dismissive to anyone who actually thinks about this shit. And I and I was really looking forward to like the sort of end. The you know, it's like this is going to be overwrought emotionally in a a way that I wanted. And it wasn't. This one wasn't really. But that's like, right. Dante should be killing off one of the main characters every 20 minutes. Like we do not believe emotional goodbye that we do not believe the uh, Ames hit that rocket launcher into that plane and Tej Roman and and Ramsey die off camera. 
No, it's just like impossible. So this cliffhanger they leave us with, you have this three-part cliffhanger. By the end of this movie, they're sort of trying to do the Christopher Nolan cross-cutting between like four different planes yeah, of action Yeah, it's like Dunkirk. Thing. <laughs> but here's the thing. Dunkirk, in its premise, is setting up the whole Chris Nolan shit of like, it's three temporalities, right? <laughs> We're in three timelines. The boats, the men on the ground— and Tom Hardy in the air. Yeah. And one of these timelines is happening in hours. One is happening in terms of minutes. One of them is happening in terms of seconds, right? It's three temporalities cross-cut. We understand this is not all parallel action in a literal-minded way. This movie is doing the same thing, but just out of sloppiness. Where, like, Dom's in the middle of, like, an insane car chase, right? Then they cut to Roman. Roman says something on the plane. Then it's five more minutes of Dom driving. They cut back. Tej is directly responding to the thing Rome says. <laughs> Picking up the thread, right? Like, it just everyone is in, like, an absolute different temporality. And then it gets to this thing where Dom is on the bridge being chased by Dante's guys with Jacob and little B in the rocket car behind him. Uh, Letty, uh, we haven't even talked about the fucking Letty prison stuff, but Letty and Charlize Theron... Are in uh, Antarctica, just are walking Antarctica. across Antarctica. Now all, right. the movie has hit all seven continents at this point. Right. And then Han, Tej, Ramsey, Roman are all in this plane, right? Dom thinks he's survived. He's made it to the end of the, the level in the video game. But when he even drove Jacob... down the lava flow on the side right. of the uh, dam, and then right. him and... The shot of Little B swimming up from like 25 feet down yes. that Dom isn't helping him is no. a very intriguing moment where it's like Dom is up hitting above water before his son. I think Which, you got it. <laughs> let's bake this fucking in. There's something interesting if like Dom is the ultimate family man and he's actually kind of been a shitty father because he's too caught up in his action movie plot lines. Right? Oh, it's like you're out there calling Roman your brother, but your son is home learning to stealing cars and shit like that. Right. You know? like, <laughs> <laughs> but you right they think they've like survived and then dante basically says like you really think that was it i let you get away that easy here's the twist i already fucking, put mines on the fucking dam and i'm gonna blow the dam now too right beep 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 but also here's jack reacher at the top of the cliff he's got a bazooka he's about to blow up your friends you stupid fucking idiot. You fell for this shit. You always fall for these cops, right? <laughs> you always fall for white, cute cops, you sick right. bastard. <laughs> right. So, like, it's, uh, he's just watched a bazooka, like a missile, hit the plane with all of his friends in it. In what Saw feels... a huge behind-the-mountain explosion. The plane yeah. manages to make it behind a mountain where we can't see what's going on. But it feels exactly the same as Rise of Skywalker where you're like, there's no way that's actually how they killed Chewbacca. Right. <laughs> and sure enough, that movie pulls the same thing where it's like, you see Chewbacca go up into a spaceship, it explodes, all the characters scream no, and then, well, who could have seen this coming? Five minutes later, cut to Chewbacca with handcuffs. He didn't board that ship. He boarded a different ship, right. you know? And I'm just like, there's some fucking explanation they're going to provide for why they didn't get hit. It's not like there's any chance that Fast X Part 2 or Furious X or whatever the fuck they call it opens with dead bodies floating in the water, no. right? Oh, yeah. Oh, and before, before we get out of here, let's just touch on Antarctica because we didn't yes. really talk about that. Uh, great Cypher Letty fight scene makes no sense how they get like why little Miss Nobody gets them into this situation together. No, Letty is the only one who gets arrested in the Rome sequence. Somehow <laughs> everyone else gets away, right? And she's she's 
that's she shines in that sequence on the dirt bike. I know it's not her doing those stunts, but the dirt bike she shit was. always works with her. Yeah. She's just always in the pocket in these movies. I thought um, she looked. I thought this was the best she's looked too. Her hair was like a little curly or curly a little hair. Like, yeah, I was totally I'm, I'm into, into it. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she gets arrested. Then Little Miss Nobody, which like it's insane that we like you can talk about this movie this thoroughly and barely bring up Brie Larson because nothing she does in this movie really matters whatsoever. You can suck it all she's, out of the movie and it, the movie doesn't change at all. A clean lift. A clean yeah, lift. Yeah, you can like what fully her take her out of the film and it's go- right. and the movie changes not at all. Right. She she gets Letty from one room in the prison to another room in the prison. We get a cool fight between Letty and Cypher, which she is meets, like she she goes and finds Dom at a bar, right? Then says, I'll do anything for you. He goes, Get Letty out of prison. She goes, That's the one thing I can't do. <laughs> then he goes, then we have nothing to talk about. And she's like, Okay, I'll do it. Then she goes to the prison Letty's in, gives her the necklace. And then is like, I'll get you out of here. Breaks her out, but he she breaks her out of solitary confinement and puts her in this black site prison's uh, hospital, high tech, like fucking like bed, bed, crazy back laser to tank shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> laser, laser surgery next to Cipher for some reason. Right. They both have to recover next to each other. For some Whose Cipher's restraints are like two pretty loose, like fucking leather straps on her hands or something. The biggest criminal like, they've ever caught is Cipher, master computer point. hacker. <laughs> and she's like, I can get us out of here. And she reaches her hand. She just puts it 25 degrees down, touches three button on the side. Not only are the restraints overridden, but the entire facility is gassed in a way that knocks out all guards. Why would you let her do that? Why is there no oversight? Why did you design the fucking hospital bed that way? Why are the controls directly underneath the hands? What the fuck are you doing? And she's like, great, now we can escape. And Letty goes, how long before the guards wake up again? She goes, like, four and a half minutes. Great, that's enough time. They just have a fist fight, right? A brutal fist fight, which is awesome. I dig it. Makes no sense why it's happening. I mean, it makes sense why it's happening, but it makes no sense why they reconnect at the end. Walk across Antarctica, and then nuclear... Let's. I just want to get to this reveal. Nuclear Letty, sub... Letty, like, opens the porthole outside, sees that she's in the middle of Antarctica... And then Charlize Theron is like, didn't dress warm enough, gives her cold clothing. The next time you see them, they're just trekking across the Arctic. And a fucking uh, post-credit sequence, po- end of movie, not post-credit sequence. Yeah, and pre-credits. Fucking sub comes up, top the pops, and Giselle is in the submarine. Uh, she died falling out of a uh-huh. plane. <laughs> yes. Now, Han, we saw him die several times. But the little tiny bit of wiggle room they gave was, eh, was he definitely in the car? It was right. a wide shot in the explosion, whatever, yeah. right? Fucking Mr. Nobody uh, scooped him real quick. Right. He hid underneath. He was covered in that gel, the flame retard <laughs> gel, right? Letty, they got away with because, like, you never actually saw her death. Dom went to the site, touched the tracks, believed the story they told him. You realize the entire thing was, like, staged, right? <laughs> Giselle, we watched her fall out of a moving plane into a fire. And like Han watches her fall and like screams out in pain. And his whole thing is that is the moment where he's like, I have nothing left to live for. I might as well fucking go to Tokyo and complete my character arc if my love is gone. Right. Do we care that they reconnect at all? Here's the reason I don't know if I care about the two of them being reunited again. It's that the even in a 
franchise that doesn't pride itself on emotional logic, I feel like the emotional logic here is so fucked in terms of like bringing Han back from the dead, which I think the franchise had to do. It was a necessary correction, A, because of like the Justice for Han thing. You needed to like sort of counterbalance the fact that they let Shaw back into the group so easily, right. which and is it, only kind of okay if Han isn't actually dead. And also brings three into, brings Tokyo Drift into the yeah. family. It resets the timeline. But the other thing is, we all agreed that Han dying was a mistake. That was a mistake made before they were thinking about these movies in a larger story building kind of way, because Tokyo Drift was its own fucking thing. You kill him because it makes sense emotionally in that movie. And then you're like, well, that was the best character. We want this guy around. So you start placing all the other movies before Tokyo Drift to allow him to stay in the timeline for longer, knowing we're prolonging the inevitable, which is at some point he needs to die. The timeline needs to, like, meet itself, right? right. And then he's gone for a movie, and everyone's like, fuck, I really miss that guy, right? Why not bring him back? Fine. I accept it, right? You, The big ask, I think, in Nine is less... How did he survive? You go, I don't know. Mr. Nobody bullshit. Who gives a fuck, right? The bigger ask was, why did he not let them know that he was still alive? Why did he let his family think that he was dead? And I felt like that movie came up with a good answer, which is like, they set up this thing with uh, uh, Elle, Ellie, the girl, who he gets like invested with, whose parents die, and then oh, he's right. sort of protector. <laughs> and it's a witness protection thing. And it's like, it was a different sort of family. He found a new family and he had to stay off the grid to keep her safe until Dom was the one person who could help him keep her safe, right? Right. She is now gone from this movie. I liked her. She's gone. He never talks about her ever again. <laughs> it is if a little weird. that both of them faked their fucking deaths and just went to opposite ends of the earth and were just like, well, too bad I can't be with that person I loved. And they're both just still alive at the same time. Why does she fake her death? first, then causing him to fake his own death. <laughs> now, Giselle doesn't know Han died and come back, came back, right? Does she? I don't fuck. What does she know? My only hope is that, like, she is Giselle's identical twin sister. I will, I would be happy. Oh, that, I would, I would be cool with that. I mean, I'd be cool with just about anything at this point. Same. But I just don't care that she's coming back. No, like, I, I like the actually, character, like, but I it just plays don't... against the emotionality of the series if she's still alive. I think if it's his twin sister, if it's her twin sister and her and Han can fall in love in a weird Peter Bogdanovich, I'm going to marry Dorothy Stratton's sister kind of way. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I'm happy to see that happen just because, A, I, I do like Al Gadot and I think these movies are where she was best. And B, I'd like to see Han get a happy ending of all people. Yes. Right? A most deserving of all the characters, Han. Absolutely. I'm rooting for Han. I'm rooting for yeah. them. But I just don't care. Like, there's, it's it's not enough. It, feel, it feels, to be the third resurrection just feels not right. Like, I feel Correct. like you got to, like, it's either got to be really crazy, yes. like stupid crazy, and I don't think this right. one is as, as, or you can't do it anymore. Like, it, you just have to, like, live without it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Hey, hey, look, the, once again, invoking them, a uh, good episode folks should listen to, but the Black Man Can't Jump episode, they threw out a really interesting concept. I know we're trying to wrap up here, but I think this is a thing we just at least need to kick around for a moment. Please. Is the ace card this movie had up its sleeve 
that it should have played. And I don't have an answer. What I'm about to throw out is such a volatile element that it's like, was that the only thing they could do? Or is it smart that they avoided this at all costs? Did this movie need to kill Brian? Shit. I, I feel like... I feel like it has to happen. I don't, I feel like, right? I, I don't know. Is it tacky? Is it not tacky? Is it tacky? I, is it disrespectful after they tried to give him a happy ending? All this sort of shit, but like, it's become such a hindrance to these movies that he is alive, but off screen and that they all have to talk about him in such weird tones. If you kill any of the family members, if you kill Tej, if you kill Roman, kill Roman, if you kill Ramsey, any of them, we care about these characters. It would hit a little bit emotionally, but we'd be sorry to see them missing from Dante the next has film. to kill in the next movie. Dante has to kill Brian. Like it has to be like a blue Supra pulls up and then it just blows up and everyone's like, no, I would argue it is truly the one thing you could do that actually would have real stakes in this movie, because if Brian dies, you know, they're not reversing that death because right. they can't bring the actor back. Right. Yeah, and with all the resurrections, having one character be like just off camera, not helping them, starts yes. to pay. Is this fucking with Brian's character's legacy that he hasn't helped for like five movies? Right. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Let him go. It's like, are you kidding? Giselle's back from the dead. I think we need to get Brian out of retirement to help Brian, us. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe it's a little dark, but like, I think Brian needs to die. Yeah. I think if we're trying to really test Dom, that's the only thing that's really going to hurt him. Yeah, and it makes sense because it would make Dante like truly bad. It would make yeah. everyone hate him. It would like justify a lot of shit. Charlie's Theron says, I thought I was the worst there was. This guy is the devil, right? He never really does anything to prove that to us outside of just being like a twisted little freak. <laughs> if he kills Brian, the audience hates him, right? If he kills Brian, everyone in the audience is like, this guy's gone too far. I want to see him taken down. Rather than what this movie does, which is like, uh, he's having fun. Maybe I want to see him succeed. <laughs> this guy's at least got some juice, you know? Fuck, dude. I, I, I got to listen to the uh, BMCJ uh, episode, too. Yeah. But that, I, I agree, man. I think, I think that it might be the case. It might be the thing that this franchise needs. It would be the ultimate inciting action. But they need to end this, and that's one of the only moves I could I, I would say they could do dramatically that would actually have any impact. And then they could have an on-camera funeral for Brian. Yeah. And that would be a weird, touching, beautiful, kind of like five movies later, uh, yeah. he, he has actually died for us. And yeah. then... Because I like that. Keep showing him in these movies. Keep getting his family some paychecks. Get his daughter yeah. in the... Uh, totally. Love that. Made me happy. Yeah. But, like, maybe end the next one with, at the end, the final cookout, like, Mia has moved in with them, and they're raising their kids all together. So it's not like, you know, yeah. it's going to be sad that she's, like, a, a, a widow, a widow, and that <laughs> Three, the kids for the don't third have their father. <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm also like, it already kind of feels like the kids don't have their father, and also the kids aren't really on screen. Well, because it, 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 their logic loses sense. It's like Brian should be with his family, and fucking Vin Diesel's kid is being kidnapped by Dante. Like right. it's like it's like my son is up for grabs, but Brian and his family d deserve some uh, peace and respect. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Griff, I've been looking forward to this since before the movie. Before I saw the movie, and yeah. especially once I saw once you texted me and went, uh, "Heads up, it's bad." 
And yeah. I was like, okay. I went in. I was like, went in going, I can't wait to talk to Griffin about this. The second it ended, I was like, I have to. I forgot. I wanted to text you about the nightstand and then about mm-hmm. Little B killing someone because those were the two mm-hmm. things that stood out the most at the time. Little B is his dad has burned him into being a murderer for life. Whatever. Yep. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. I no, appre- I look. I, I as we were texting in real time when the story broke, the moment Justin Lin left, I was like, I think this franchise might be kind of done, right? And the yeah. trailer came out and just vibe wise felt like this feels a little off to me. And I tried to go into this one with like very level expectations of just like, you know what? I'm fine letting go of this franchise. It has perhaps just like outstayed its welcome. It is too big to fail now. Yeah, I'm going to ride like, it. I'm going to ride it to the end like Dexter. I'm going to be like, well, it hasn't been good since Lithgow, but I'll watch three exactly. more seasons. I'm going to watch. Right. I'm going to be opening weekend for the next five fast movies until they wrap this shit up. But I'm looking but forward like, to it. Nine is probably the last time I ever pin on one of these movies. I hope this improves my mental health. Right? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> like now I'm just like, I see them. I don't know. It's like visiting an old friend of mine who I don't like anymore. Right? But this, from the moment I saw that trailer and I thought it looked shitty, I was like, at least we'll probably have a fun time talking about it with Gabrus. <laughs> yeah. We'll get a good and, episode out of it. Hey, and we'll be back in three to five years to talk about the next one. But uh, Absolutely. Before, like we, before we get out of here, tell the shitheads, if they are listening to this podcast, I'm assuming mm. they know about Blank Check, but uh, where, where can people catch you? Or what, what do you want people to tune into? All that uh, jazz. Blank Check, yeah, with Griffin and David. Uh, wherever podcasts are found, it's about directors. We pick a director and do their whole filmography in order. So at the time of this, we're doing... Park Chan-wook of Old Boy and Decision oh, to Leave thing. Looking forward to that. Uh, or rather, no. No, you're probably still in uh, the... We're finishing up Buster Keaton and then Park Chan-wook starts imminently. Yeah. Uh, but that's sort of the transition point we're at right now. Uh, and then we have a Patreon where we do uh, a bunch of film franchises uh, uh, as commentaries. We've done Mission Impossible and... Uh, uh, the Alien franchise and a lot of other things. I've been saving Fast and Furious for when it's done. Yeah. But now I'm like, is it going to be a slog to get through the last two to three? Yeah, it's going to um, be. You got to wait nine years to kick that off on the fucking page. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say this. I mean, just in terms of like play, paying off plot threads, right? Emotional growth in terms of our little uh, saga of doing these episodes over years across two different podcast feeds, right? <laughs> You and I have always just contended, like, my greatest career dream is to just get one scene in one of these movies. I know. And we've both pitched, like, this is who I'd want to play. This is what I'd want the scene to be from a number of different angles, right? I see the trailer for this movie. There's the moment where they're in, like, he's in the fucking church bell tower in Rome when they're about to unleash the bomb. And Momoa, like, throws his hands up and he goes, like, dorks, show me what you got. And you see he's flanked by two computer nerds. And I saw this in the trailer and I texted Sims and I was like, I might actually fire all of my reps. I swear to you, this is not a bit. I drafted the fucking email. I was like, for the last 10 years, I have given you one marching order above all else. I know my career doesn't have that much fucking juice right now, but all I'm asking for is an under five in Fast and Furious. If there is any dialogue spoken by these guys in this movie, you're all fired. If I did not get a read for this, Every year I tell you there is no role too small. And they go, yeah, we know, we know, we know, we know, right? So I'm sitting there watching the movie like stewing. Even before the movie starts like losing my goodwill, I'm also just like so nervous for when these nerds show up. And I'm like, how big are these fucking parts going to be, right? 
I think one of them says one line of dialogue of like techno babble. And then you cut to the scene where he has murdered them, scotch taped their eyes open, put like the fucking tiki drinks in their hands, is painting their nails and doing like girl talk with them. And I turned to David and I was like, they have succeeded in making me not want to be in this movie. I feel relief that I was not in this role. I know, I know. I still want, I thought, I thought this whole time would be fun if Mrs. We meet uh, Brie Larson's partner, uh, her husband at some point, and it's like a sh- me, a schlub. Like, it's like, well, well, my husband will let you in, and everyone's like, who's Mr. Nobody? And it's like, I'm a gamer who just like answers the door. It's like, she's with this dumpy freak. That's awesome. <laughs> to be fair, you would be Mr. Mrs. Nobody. Mr. Mrs. Please call me. Uh, my dad was Mr. Mrs. Nobody. Call me Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I still think, look, if you had played the Pete Davidson guy, you would have made that scene work. Dude, we have two more movies. They punted him a little bit. We have two more chances. Let's keep let's keep our fucking hopes open. Uh, tons of Hollywood casting directors listen to High and Mighty, as you can tell oh, by my storied career. Yeah. <laughs> but this was the first one I was relieved not to be in. So now I throw down the gauntlet. Fast and Furious, you have to earn my interest again. Yeah. Bring it back. And I... I don't doubt them for some reason because I'm, st- I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm an abused puppy. I don't. Oh, that's the thing. I'm also just like, I'm sitting here like I hold the power. If they texted me tomorrow and they're like, you're off camera and you lick Jason Momoa's feet. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, fine. Okay. Pride of gypsies. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as always, shitheads, uh, check out my podcast, Action Boys. Check out Blank Check, one of my favorite pods, and I'm on it a few times if that's the yeah, thing that gets you, you over there. Soon. I'm going to tell you what we're doing in the fall after this. It might be There might be some good space for you to jump in on one oh, of those. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I always watch the, the uh, March Madness and go like, which I'm like, voting exclusively for what... Uh, I'm like, ooh, if this guy wins, I'm asking for this movie. And then you if they the don't obvious. win, I'm like, right. okay, well, whatever they ask me to do, I'm game for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, also uh, check out 101 Places to Party Before You Die now on something called Max (laughs) bye shitheads that was a headgum podcast in a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, guys. Holy I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. <laughs> it's actually, it's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. <laughs> no. Somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to, like, see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. (laughs) It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. Well, there's a fantasy component. There's some sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 game in town. You wake up after a few years and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. <laughs> what? I don't hate them, but I've been in a room. <laughs> yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. <laughs> Action boys. Boys will be boys. 
Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now.